is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team. Put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this, this is the Sports Loud Mouths. Yay. Man. Can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. November 9th, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it is. We are live. 631-672-3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Dot com. You are listening to the Sports Loud Mouths. Check out our app on iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN. And by the way, it is changed now on Android to WWSRN. So there you go. You can find us both on Apple, Android, WWSRN. SRN. Speedy, how you feeling? I wasn't feeling too well earlier today, but here now I'm able to battle through. I had a lot of different Mexican food over the weekend. We celebrated my oh, dad's uh, my dad's birthday. I'm always in the bathroom. Yeah. Always in the bathroom. Uh, that was when me, it comes to, to that was me today. That was me today. Yes, it was. But well, but you were doing it a different way. I, I was in multiple ways, but that's another, <laughs> that's another story. But yes, I uh, celebrated my dad's birthday uh, on Saturday. Happy birthday! And it was funny. He actually is one of the biggest heads. So we went to the, the, this Mexican restaurant. They when they were singing to him, the uh, the the, uh, the staff they mm. were they gave him this sombrero. It didn't even fit his head. It was so funny. His head's that big. His head is really big. Yeah, <laughs> it's really big. I'm sure Dad's listening to yeah. it right it's now. Fu- it's funny. Like he like you know you like to buy a lot of hats. Like he actually has to go to this like special site for like. It's like BigHats.com or something Big like that. Big and tall? Because, yeah, they, they don't fit it. Like, normal size hats don't fit him. Big and tall hats uh, for Mr. Kloiberg. Yes. Mm, how wonderful. We have a great show lined up for you guys a little bit later in the show at 8 o'clock. We will be talking to former NFL offensive tackle and current Michigan football radio broadcaster, John Jensen. He'll be joining us. John was on the show about a year ago. He was fantastic, and we're very excited to get him on again. At 8.30, we'll be talking to Yankees and Westwood One MLS next Pro Cup media personality himself. Drew Carey. It's not Drew Carey from The Price is Right. Oh, Drew, Ka- Drew Casey, my bad. I'm sorry. I wrote it wrong. Did yeah, she wrong? did. Drew Casey. Drew <laughs> Casey, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Drew Casey, Drew Carey, who cares? I'm just kidding. Uh, but Drew is going to be joining us. I'm very excited to have him on as well. Uh, we're going to get into the Astros winning the World Series without cheating, ladies and gentlemen, as far as what we know. Uh, four games to two against the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, so we'll get into the offseason for a lot of these teams. And by the way, congratulations to who, Speedy? Congratulations to the, Trey Mancini and Dusty Baker. That's right. Dusty Boy Baker wins his first World Series. Well-deserved, by the way. Yes. A guy that's been in the sport for such a long time, deserved it. And finally wins his first World Series at the age of what? Almost 80 years old? 73, I think. Oh, really? He's 70? I thought he was older than that. The oldest one to win a World Series, yep. I thought he was older than that. But congratulations to Dusty. Um, The Mets sign Edwin Diaz. Five years, $102 million, which makes him the highest paid reliever 
in Major League history. What does that do for the New York Mets going into this offseason? Well, Brendan Nimmo is a name that uh, they're going to try to make sure he doesn't go to free agency. There's another few or many different players that could be uh, on their way out for the New York Mets. So uh, we will get into that a little bit later. The Nets backtrack and hiring Mr. Uduka or Oduka or whatever his name is. Emi Oduka, who is no longer the front runner getting this job because today they hire Jock Vaughn. And I think this was a good move by the Brooklyn Nets. After everything that was going on with Kyrie Irving this past week and the craziness, the anti-Semitic attacks, uh, Kyrie might not have a job very soon. And uh, I think it was like 26, 27 owners have already come out and said that if he ever goes to free agency, they are not bringing him to the organization. So uh, to their organization. So that is a very interesting comment from just a few, not all of them, but just a few Owners in the NBA. Uh, Colts fire Frank Wright. Uh, hire Jeff Saturday. I have no idea what they're trying to do here. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I listened to the press conference today. I like Jeff Saturday. I think he was a great center in the league. Uh, you, you've heard Peyton Manning preach about him. He's one of the best players he's ever played with. Uh, I think I, I know he coached high school, his kids' high school team. But this is the NFL. And you've had no NCAA experience uh, as an assistant coach, as a head coach. And now uh, you've been an analyst for ESPN for how long? I think it's been ESPN. Yes, yeah, since he retired in 2013. He's been with is ESPN. Is it ESPN? Yeah. Uh-huh. So he, he's been with ESPN. And I love Jeff, Jeff Saturday. I met Jeff Saturday at an event. Fantastic guy. He really is. In great condition, too. Yeah. He lost a lot of weight. Uh, a lot of these offensive linemen, I don't know what they do after they retire. But looks fantastic. Uh I hope it, it's successful over there um, in Indianapolis. I just don't know if it makes a lot of sense. So uh, we'll get into that. Uh, the Jets, as I predicted. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. And by the way, I picked almost the same score. I, I said 21-17. Yeah. It was 20-17. to The Jets win uh, a very close game against a Bills team that everybody thought was the best team in the NFL. And what does that say to all the Jet fans? All the Jet fans that doubted that this team could pull off a win like this. And I and I, I, I believe there's quite a few Jet fans that didn't think that this was going to happen. But I was one of them. And I'm not saying that I, I've been right all year. But five out of the six picks I've had this year were damn right about the New York Jets. And I, I think they're the real deal. I, I'm ex, uh, experimenting on where this team is going to be in the second half of the season. Um, and what I mean by experimenting is I, I'm i a little bit lost on some of the pieces to the puzzle of this team, but uh, I think what Robert Sala has done is made and has made his team believe in one another. And I think that this team uh, is moving in the right direction a lot faster than a lot of people thought they were going to be. So we'll get into that, and week nine recap, we'll go through all the games and uh, go back and forth on where we think some of these teams should be uh, if they're going to their bye weeks or where they should be just because they were supposed to be as good of a team that we thought they were going to be before the season started. So uh, a lot to get into, uh, and why don't we get into it? So I want to get into football first, and then we'll finish with football with our recap. The big story over the weekend, was the Jets upsetting 
the Buffalo Bills. A lot of people, a lot of analysts, after the week before, the Jets really choking. And yes, everybody's going to talk about them. Franklin Myers' uh, penalty, the pick six that was brought back and which probably cost the Jets that 17-3 lead going into the second half, which then gave the momentum to the Patriots after they kicked the field goal at the end of the quarter. A lot of people thought that was the game. And maybe they were right. And maybe Bill Belichick has always had the Jets number. Maybe it's true. Bill Belichick is a world... Renowned coach, not just in football. He's world-renowned in any sport. Everybody knows how great he is. He's one of the greatest coaches in sports history. Going into this week, nobody believed in Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson choked. The Jets trusted that they were going to put more in his, on his plate In that game against the Patriots, because the Jets thought, and as well as they should, believed they had the most talent out of both teams. And Zach Wilson didn't have Elijah Vera Tucker, didn't have Brees Hall, and you saw that he was forcing passes at the end of the second quarter going into the third and fourth quarter. And those three interceptions, two out of the three were horrible. You're talking about a second-year player, guys. Everybody tortured this kid throughout the week. And I'm sure, and I don't care what Zach says, he doesn't listen and he doesn't read newspapers, he doesn't listen to the press, I doubt it. This is a 22-year-old kid. The first thing I'm doing if I'm an NFL quarterback is I'm popping on SportsCenter and I want to hear what all these analysts, Rex Ryan... Mike Greenberg, all these Jet guys say about me. I don't care about the ex-Pittsburgh Steelers safeties or whoever's listening or talking about uh, my particular game and, and the way I play. We talk about what Zach Wilson was going to be in his second year and what he should be. At this time, going into week nine against the Buffalo Bills. And nobody trusted in Zach Wilson. Nobody. I don't care what any of the Jet fans say. Nobody trusted that this kid was going to take this team over the top against the Bills. Now, did he have one of those 350-yard games with three touchdowns, ran a touchdown in, and just completely dominated the line of scrimmage, throwing the Buffalo Bills offsides like we've seen Aaron Rodgers do year after year? No, it wasn't that type of game. It wasn't. What this game showed is that they can trust in a young quarterback if he goes out there, He plants his feet, steps into his passes. He can make every single throw like any quarterback in the NFL. This game was a statement game for the New York Jets. This game showed every NFL team that the Jets 
are not a laughing stock of the NFL anymore. This isn't a clown organization anymore. This organization is run by Joe Douglas, who knows what he's doing when it comes to drafting. Finally made the right moves in the offseason. Bringing some offensive line help. Giving the Jets depth on the defensive side of the ball. Drafting Sauce Gardner. Making a move to bring in a, a great corner in D.J. Reed. Drafting a pass rusher, a running back. Making sure that Zach Wilson has a weapon like Garrett Wilson. Elijah Moore has been a yappy person the last couple of weeks. We all know that. And that's why he hasn't seen the ball. The Jets are punishing him. We had a chance to see Denzel Mims the last two weeks. Now that Corey Davis will probably be back in the, after the bye week. George Font, Max Mitchell. A very good offensive line right now with Herbig, who was a big pickup in the offseason from the Eagles. Now you have depth, a significant amount of depth. The Jets have one of the best offensive lines in football right now. They played the best defense in football on Sunday and ran the ball down their throats in the fourth quarter. If that doesn't set a statement about what this team is and what this team believes them to be, I don't know what does. Robert Sala, at the end of this game, he said something so very interesting at his press conference. He said, we believe in each other. We are not, su- we are not surprised that we won this game. Everybody was, but we weren't. We believed that we could beat this team. We are just as good as the Buffalo Bills are. When you talk about and you speak about certain things that happened in this game, about the camera problem, and you heard Robert. Robert Sullivan said it only happens to the Jets. It only, nobody's ever seen something like that in a game before. Nobody. You stop the game of play because. A wire falls off one of the cameras up top. 15 minutes, the Jets are on what? The 30-yard line? They have a chance. To, they, they had so much momentum, and then all of a sudden, a camera falls. Uh, the wires fall, and, and there's a huge problem. I'm sure some of Jets fans were blaming the Patriots for that. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe the ghosts, like uh, Sam Darnold always said. Yep. I have no idea. But what they did in this game, Sauce Garner did in this game, this defense did in this game, showed you that this defense is for real. This defense could shut down any quarterback in the NFL, including Patrick Mahomes, who had another fantastic game this past week. Josh Allen is, before this game, was the number one MVP candidate. This was the best offense in the NFL, the best defense in the NFL, one of the best special teams in the NFL. This team, even though they lost one game against Miami early in the season, was the best team in the NFL. Everybody thought that. Going into this game. The Jets had no chance. They were 13-point underdogs 
going into this game. And I told everybody, they are absolutely not going to lose by 13. You can bet the bottom, the money line on that. You can bet the money line on that. I was just about to say that. Money line mania, by the way. Check us out on 103.9. <laughs> hey, Wes bet the Jets a lot this year. <laughs> yes, he did. Mm-hmm. We sit here today, and there's a lot of interesting things to talk about and speak about the AFC East. This is the best division in football. It's by far the best division in football. Who would have thought that when we've been talking about uh, the <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs division, the West division, with the Raiders and the Chargers and the Broncos? Really, three out of those four teams have been absolutely horrendous. Three of those coaches could be gone by the end of the year. We, we, are, we are watching the future of the NFL. And, and what I mean by that, Miami is a really good team. They're a young, very good team. The Patriots will always be good as long as Bill Belichick is there. They will win. They'll have more wins than losses because Bill is there. They have a lot of problems, by the way. <laughs> we'll get into them a little bit later. The Jets, with that defense, that running game, that GM and coach that they have right now, the belief that this team could beat anybody at any on any given Sunday, this team is one year, I believe, where they're going to be next year favorites to possibly be a Super Bowl contender. The Buffalo Bills, I believe they're at their highest point. This is as good as Buffalo is going to be. They don't have a running game. And maybe they draft a running back this year. Maybe they bring in Saquon Barkley when if he becomes a free agent this year. Who knows? If they can afford it, they'll probably try. They did pay Josh Allen a lot of money, so I don't know if that's going to happen. But this team, there is deficiencies in their game. You saw it on Sunday. If you could put pressure on Josh Allen, which the Jets did all game long, five sacks against Josh Allen, which is really unheard of. He doesn't get sacked a lot. And what they did in the game, shrinking the pocket, made him make choices that he usually never makes, shows you that they can beat the best of the best. They could beat the Kansas City Chiefs because Buffalo did it this year. Josh Allen beat Patrick Mahomes this year. So we sit here today, Speedy, and we can go back and forth with all the Jet fans that are hitting us up all over social media and attacking uh, all the little itsy-bitsy things that happened in that game, even though the Jets won. You as a Jet fan, and I'm talking, you're not a Jet fan, you're, you're a Giant fan, but me. As a Jet fan. All the Jet fans out there. And I speak the truth about the Jets. When they're not playing good, they're not playing good. But if you're a Jet fan today, you should be damn happy right now 
where this team is, 6-3 and three going into their bye week. There are three things that really the Jets showed mostly in this game that they could do. One, their offensive line was dominant with the makeshifts against a Buffalo defensive line that has been great all year, and especially on the interior, too. You were talking about Herbig, but also a lot of other guys, too, on that interior winning against Ed Oliver, against Daquan Jones, against Von Miller. Von Miller had a sack, I think, in the second quarter, but then was taken out much of the second half, and that was a good adjustment by that offensive line. So that's a big key for the Jets. The other thing, too, is Garrett Wilson. They, they're getting Garrett Wilson utilized in creative ways. This is a good secondary that Buffalo has. Yesterday, Davis White still hurt. I understand that. But Eight catches, 92 yards. Yep. And they used him in a lot of different route concepts. He was open even a lot of the times that he wasn't thrown to, too. And they're using utilizing his versatility, finally, something that I've always criticized Mike LaFleur for. They have all these different types of players and haven't been able to use them in the right ways. And finally, you saw Mike LaFleur be able to utilize Garrett Wilson on so many different route concepts in that game. And it's weird to think. I've, uh, Michael Floor and Jeff Ulbrich, they're two coordinators outcoach the Bills coordinators in this game. Mm-hmm. As weird as that sounds. like That's how creative the Jets had to be in order to make it work. They were using Michael Carter inside, which is not his style normally, and it was working towards the end of that game. James Robinson on the screen pass, not normally known for a pass catching back, gets the touchdown on the screen pass, and that's the way you got to beat a good team like this, and that's a mark of good coaching and good quarterback play from Zach Wilson. Yeah, the stats aren't going to go off the off the charts, 154 yards, but 18-25 to 25 passing, and did it very 70%, Yeah, which is the highest he's ever thrown the ball mm-hmm. in his career. And he utilized all these guys. He saw they were trying to take out they were trying to take out different options with the running game in the first half, and then they ran the ball. And Zach Wilson just made the throws he needed to make and made a lot of good throws, too. Denzel Mims had that nice catch. Garrett Wilson in the fourth quarter, nice yeah. Crush. Yeah, and that was a big thing. And then the third thing is they won the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, too. they did. Buffalo's offensive line is supposed to be very good as well. But the Jets were dominating, especially on the interior, and they made Josh Allen look like the – Second-year Josh Allen that was still a little trigger-happy and uh, was trying to extend plays. Did you see Quinn Williams? Yeah. Did you see him in that game? Uh Quinn Williams right now, to me, besides Micah Parsons, is, is up for Defensive Player of the Year. And everybody says, well, Gardner, what about Gardner? Gardner is going to be... Defensive Rookie of the Year. They're not going to give him Defensive Player of the Year because he's a second-year player. And Micah Parsons possibly could have won the Defensive Player of the Year last year. But they gave him Defensive Player of the Rookies. You look at what Quinn Williams is doing right now, and it really all changed after that Cincinnati game. After the yelling on the sidelines that they wanted to blitz Six guys up front. He said, we don't need six guys. We just need four. Let me get out there. Let me play 80% of the snaps instead of 60. Ever since, Ulbrich has moved him up in front to almost 82 and a half snaps of of the game. This guy has changed the game for the New York Jets. Has changed everything up front for the New York Jets. You're talking about the best defensive tackle right now. Yes, the best. Best defensive tackle in the NFL. That's including Aaron Donald, who has been the best def- defensive tackle in the NFL for the last nine years. And uh, all the naysayers, Kevin Jackson and a lot of the guys on his show that did not like Jeff Ulbrich, that was a very great defensive game plan in that second half. 100%. Too. And you look at Stefan Diggs had 90-something yards in the first half and then was completely blanketed. Shut the down. Half. They moved G- – G- this is what the Jets did. It was It, it was genius. What they did, and, and, and Buffalo thought they were smarter because what they did is they moved Diggs 
to DJ Reed's side and move Davis to Gardner's side. And boy, was that a big, huge mistake. Because DJ Reed deserves every bit of the credit that Gardner, Sauce Gardner, has been on the field this year. DJ Reed is the fifth, in almost every single statistic, fifth best corner in the NFL. In the NFL. Gardner's been number one all season. It, he was number two going into this game. Now he's number one in PFF, which is the statistic everybody looks at. He is number five. And by the way, Michael Carter the second is number 15 in the NFL. Could you imagine your three top cornerbacks are in the top 15 in all of the NFL? That is ridiculous. And you can win championships with a defense speedy playing like this. And also you saw, too, that they were also taking away concepts that the Bills were trying to ride on the hot hands for. Now, Josh Allen running was still something they couldn't stop. 86 yards, two touchdowns. But beyond that, when Dawson Knox had hit his hot stretch rate, the three catches on all one drive, he where was he in the second half? Gabe Davis had it in the... In the second half at the end, but he was nowhere to be found in the first half. And you saw them be able to take away those concepts and take away the hot hands in a way. And Josh Allen kind of looked like Zach Wilson has looked like in certain games last year where he was looked like he was trusting those options too much and he got rattled because of it. And it looked like, especially with the defensive line too, that... Josh Allen was taking a lot of those big sacks that you normally saw him took in his second year in the league when he wasn't as good yet. And that ended up costing the Bills a lot of field position, too. And that was very, very uncharacteristic for Josh Allen, the way we've seen him play this year, the way he could spread the ball around. Yes, neither of them are great, consistent options. Gabe Davis is streaky, Knox is streaky, guys like that. But still, they were taking away concepts of it, too. And it seemed like the Bills were never able to decoy from the Jets' corners at all. And here's another thing. It's sad when you hear Josh Allen gets hurt uh, at the end of the game. Huff obviously yep. hits his arm, bends his arm back. He he drops the ball. And, and his UCL, he's had problems with his UCL for the last, I would say, last five years. And I will say that. But this is a guy that is, is he's a tough guy. I believe Josh Allen will play this week. He will be important to where the Bills go moving forward. Is he 100% healthy? That will be uh, an answer that only the coaching staff of the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen moving forward will answer to the press. I don't know what he is, but you saw him grab his arm when he threw that ball to Gabe Davis. And when Garner, obviously everybody was trying to say that it was passing interference, which it wasn't. No. It's ridiculous. He was on him. He was like white on white, white on rice, okay? He was 100% on Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis had no chance at that ball. He read his eyes. But I will say this. Josh Allen, if if it's left to Josh Allen's arm, going into the playoffs, just like we saw last year, they don't have a chance. They need to find a running game. And they need to find it soon. And obviously... They didn't get anybody in in the trade de- at the trade deadline. They uh, there were there were conversations that they were interested in Christian McCaffrey. I would have pulled the trigger if you think that you have a chance to win a Super Bowl this year and you haven't won one ever. <laughs> I, we all know the four Super Bowls that they were there. If you have a chance to win a Super Bowl this year, you make every possible move, just like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch did. In San Francisco, you pull off that trade to get a significant piece like Christian McCaffrey over there to play 
on the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it's your missing piece, too, for a team that has not run the ball consistently. Like, again, you're looking at a case of the Bills' roster balance is very good, and I'm not saying that their running backs are, like, the worst thing in the world, but, again, it's not, not a, good. It's a below-average running game, so it's still something they still can fix considering how well they draft normally, especially in later rounds. You can afford to get a little more aggressive. Now, the Niners trade for Christian McCaffrey. I don't know if anyone expected them to trade four picks, but still, Brandon Bean definitely de- could have made that kind of aggressive move and Josh Allen if you're in this situation you have to wonder will he be able to make the strides he needs to make in order to not force the ball in certain areas too because like I said the Jets were taking away a lot of those hot concepts and while Allen statistically might have been outplaying Mahomes so far this year Patrick Mahomes has spread the ball around really well this year in comparison to and what happened to Buffalo's defense Uh, this is this is one of the better defenses. Was going into that game, this was the number one defense in all of football. As far as run stopping, pass rushing, this is a dominant force. The Jets made that defense look like a secondary defense. Mm-hmm. This defense, and this is an offensive line that has been glued together. The Jets' offensive line this year had Dwayne Brown needs shoulder surgery. Herbig wasn't even on a team until. OT really after OTAs before the the preseason started when the Jets made that the move and signed him from the Philadelphia Eagles who didn't re-sign him. That was a another piece on where this offensive line has really moved forward ever since Elijah Veritaka was moved to the right tackle position. Lankinson, he's slowly but surely showing you why he's an he was an All Pro player last year. Well, he was a Pro Bowl player last year. And then on that right side, that right tackle side, they had Elijah Vera Tucker, Max Mitchell, George Font. Now they have who, who's playing? I don't even remember who was playing on Sunday. The kid that they got from Jacksonville, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've been moving that tackle position. They lost Makai Beckton before the season started. They have been gluing this offensive line together. And look at the pieces they're getting back after their bye week. The Jets are going to be even better. And their schedule gets easier. They play the Lions. I, I think the Chicago Bears are the real deal. Uh, John, and I'll say, I'll say this. Justin Fields is only going to get better. Yep. He is the, a better version of Lamar Jackson. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's hard to take down. Lamar Jackson, you hit him, you take him down. This guy, he will drag you 50 feet before you take him down. If, if, we saw it a couple of weeks ago. He'll drag you. But I think when you look at both thoughts of where these teams are going with the Buffalo Bills and the Jets, I think the Jets are only getting better, and the Buffalo Bills are right now stagnant. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows what they are. Uh, Josh says in the comments, it was actually more offensive pass interference. Davis actually extended his arm and pushed off Garner, but with Allen, it's a nerve situation. No matter how tough you are, you need to be concerned. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that that, that was exactly what it is. Physicality on physicality. And a a lot of times you definitely see that that called on the defensive player for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But again, everyone that was complaining that was pass interference, no, it wasn't in in that case. Sauce Garner showed his physicality uh, against a bigger 
a big Gabriel Davis and made it, made it work to lock down in coverage too. And again, you don't normally see Josh Allen force those kinds of passes the way he's played so far this year. And the Jets got him kind of rattled with the way that he was. they were taking away the hot hands in that case. And the Bills have to get that kind of flow going in order to make it work because that's how their offense works. And the Jets were able to take it away with a lot of good concepts defensively. So everyone uh, cra- bashing Jeff Ulbrich in the past, uh, you might have to take that back. Well, I don't think Jeff Ulbrich is going to be up for a coaching job at the end of the season. He's going to have to prove his team uh, and improve his defense again one more year. And if if the Jets are a, a top-end defensive team, which they probably will be next year, I believe Ulbrich will be up for a coaching job. He will. And, and so will Mike LaFleur. If he figures this offense out... and. Next year, the weapons that the Jets are going to have, and you're not talking about the draft that they're, where they have still, I think, seven picks or eight picks next year. They have a chance next year. They still have, I think, they'll probably try to talk, speak to C.J. Mosley to lower his, uh, I guess, his salary and, and, and how they're going to negotiate his deal and because and, they want to bring back Kawan Alexander, I'm sure. Uh, Quincy... Williams is going to be expecting his uh, uh, his second contract after his rookie contract. It this is, I think is his fourth fourth year, so he is going, but he's not going to make a lot of money. He'll make nah. like three million a year or something like that as a linebacker, and they'll bring him back. and And Quinton Williams, you're, you're talking about a guy that's probably going to make about 120, 130 million next year. He he's that good, and he has changed that defense. That defense is. When he's out there, he's on another level. Now, they did lose Rankins, and I know a lot of Jet fans are obviously upset about that. Four to six weeks to an elbow injury. It, with the depth the Jets have on that defensive line, Jermaine Johnson, did anybody watch how fast he was on the edge yesterday? I mean, on Sunday? He was fantastic. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic. Clutch in the fourth, too. A hundred percent. And uh, I believe they'll move Jermaine to the line, the outside linebacker position in the offseason. When they give him enough time, he is not going to be a defensive end on this team. I, I think they'll move him as a linebacker because they need, obviously, beef on the inside. And I think Jermaine is a very good run stopper, and he can you can put him on the edge, a.k.a. Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is still a tackle. I mean, I'm sorry, a linebacker. He's considered a linebacker. They put him on the edge. And that's what I think they're going to do with Jermaine Johnson. But I, I, it, there's so many good things that we could talk about about this team. I don't want to take the whole show up about the Jets. But if you're a Jet fan, and I, there are a lot of Jet fans out there that are very excited, and you should be, take a step back and all the doubts, all the craziness that we've heard over the last couple of weeks, they didn't beat anybody good. They didn't beat a good quarterback. They didn't play a good defense. They didn't play a top-end offensive line. All that is gone. That was their statement game. They beat the best team in the NFL. And they didn't just beat them. They bashed them in the fourth quarter. They completely dominated. And by the way, the Jets are the best team in the fourth quarter after that game in all of the NFL. Yeah, point differential, plus 58. They are the best fourth quarter team in the NFL. And what does that tell you? Well, if you're trying to make the playoffs and you need to come back in the fourth quarter... I, I would trust that a young team like this would take all that to the side, push that all to the side. doesn't matter who they're playing, Kansas City, Buffalo, Miami, any of these top teams, and say, you know what, we've done it before. 
will do it again. And that's what is so exciting about this team. This team is light years ahead of schedule. And you should be excited. You really should be. Now this uh, Frank Wright thing. I, I don't know what's going on with Indianapolis. This is a team that a lot of people expected to be a top-seeded team in the AFC. I thought they were by far the best team in their division. It was either them or the Titans. I, I still thought they had more depth, especially with their running game and their offensive line. What happened to their offensive line? I mean, this was the best offensive line in football for three years. Everybody was talking about how good this offensive line is, the dominance of this offensive line. And, and, and they have been nothing. And I, then I, I heard a story over the last couple of days on the whole Carson Wentz thing. The reason why Carson Wentz lost his job over there in Indianapolis is because he didn't take his COVID shot. Oh, boy. And he got sick, and he wasn't the same quarterback he was after COVID. And, and, they, and Ursay blamed him on that second half. And they just got rid of him. Now, has he done anything right now as far as Washington is concerned? No. Henneke is now the the starting quarterback over there, and I, I believe he'll stay the starting quarterback. They should yeah. have kept him the starting quarterback since the since the last year's run. I think this guy could play quarterback in the NFL. Is he an elite quarterback? Nobody. How many elite quarterbacks are in the NFL right now? I mean, look at Matthew Stafford or what he's doing right now. I just dropped him in all my fantasy leagues. I drafted Matthew Stafford in all my fantasy leagues as my number one quarterback. So who did you add instead? Because now you have Aaron Rodgers and who else? Or did you not add I'm both in two, two of my four leagues that I'm playing in. Yeah. I added Justin Fields. There you go. Very I added nice. Justin Fields because, one, he's playing the Lions this week. So I, I believe he's going to kill the Lions. And he's going to be able to run against that defense. Yeah. And, two, I think the kid's just going to go. He's just going to be better. All the different players they added, uh, Claypool, even though he hasn't really used Claypool as a weapon, um, and the the opportunity that he has to be that running and gunning type of quarterback, I think he's going to be he's going to be very successful in this league because of that. And and Speedy, you know, as everybody knows, what I thought about Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what I thought about Justin Fields. In the beginning, before the draft, I thought Justin Fields was the best quarterback. Then I was looking at statistics and trying to compare and contrast. I thought, I, I believe that Zach Wilson was the number one quarterback. Trevor Lawrence was two, and Justin Fields was three. But what we have seen so far early in their second years is Justin Fields has slowly moved as the better quarterback in that draft class. Mm-hmm. And I, again, you look at a case of the Bears have the worst situation of all of them, too. Yes. I know Jacksonville last year with Urban Meyer did, did, mm-hmm. definitely didn't help Trevor Lawrence. But this nope. year, definitely a lot better in terms of the weapons, in terms of the coaching mm-hmm. and the offensive line. The offensive line is not great for Jacksonville, but it's definitely serviceable. And those receivers. No, kind of excuse, no excuses for Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, as now Doug Peterson, who is a great, believe it, believe it or not, offensive mind. And if anybody can get this quarterback to play. It's him. 
Look yeah. what he did for Nick Foles. Right. Now, Trevor Lawrence has definitely made some good A-grade throws when it comes to his skill set, but he's also decision-making till hasn't been great, too, kind of like what we've seen in certain games of Zach Wilson last year. Now, Zach Wilson's improved the decision-making. Will he get more of the A-grade throws? We'll see down the road. But Justin Fields is a combination of both of those right now, and he's doing it with less weapons and a horrible offensive line mm-hmm. and a new offensive coordinator, a new rook- a rookie head coach, and, yeah, a schedule that is pretty easy, but still, the, the Bears had no expectations anyway. Everyone, everyone was loving the Lions as the, like a, a sleeper playoff team in that division, not Who, the Bears. I like I, I, I've slowly but surely stuck up for Jared Goff on his growth as a starting quarterback when he went to the Lions, obviously after the Rams debacle, but this guy this year has been horrible and I, I watched... I watched Hard Knocks, and Eminem showed up, and he was trying to show sure. Eminem how to throw the football. I think he needs to teach himself how to throw the football right now. He's been horrible. Horrible. And that defense? Oh, oh my God. Pathetic. That is the worst defense in the NFL, man. That has been, for the last five weeks, there is no argument. The, the Lions defense is the worst defense in the NFL. They might have, like, four good players. On Hutchinson defense, is a good player. <laughs> He's a good player. but And so is their corner. Awari. In the last three nice weeks, what has Hutchinson's that's, done? That's really it. He, he had a nice interception. But, yeah, beyond that, yeah, the pressure has not been as effective. Their interior, which is supposed to be better, too, has not been as good. I like the kid Awari they have at corner. But yeah, the, he's a nice kid. But yeah. uh, but Okuda, their third overall pick, has not stayed healthy, and that hasn't helped his development either into what he was supposed to be. Their safety play hasn't been good. Yeah, they picked they, off Aaron Rodgers a couple times. The they can't zone. stay healthy either offensively. Yeah, and they don't draft Brown well. can't stay healthy. Swift can't stay healthy. And and, and don't make the excuses. I, I love listening to Lion fans right now making excuses on social media. This is a team that was expecting. And, and Campbell thought that this team was a playoff-bound team. Watch the hard knocks. A lot of people did at the start of the year. They thought that. they were a playoff-bound team, especially with Green Bay's nonsense not bringing in any wide receivers in the offseason and, and, and losing Adams. And, and Adams probably regrets he left Green Bay. I, I, and Green Bay probably regrets and, and probably expected Adams to stay with the Green Bay Packers. And, and that has a lot to do with Aaron Rodgers taking the $50 million. It really does. If Aaron didn't take the 50 and decided to stay at 35, 38, I believe they re-sign Adams. I think that the, the Green Bay Packers are by far the best team in that division. I do not believe Minnesota is as good as their record shows. And I, I, I believe that when Buffalo plays them this week, they will show people the deficiencies they have defensively. This is not a good defensive team. They, they, they're a good offensive team. They have a lot of weapons. Jefferson, as their number one guy, which... I can't wait until they play the Jets. I really can't because... Oh, that was supposed to be our Minnesota road trip. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that. Pete Bursich, you better be listening. Oh, we're, yes. doing, we're doing the Minnesota Mr. road Pete. trip. Mr. Peaks. Yep. <laughs> Maybe he'll bring us into his little uh, play-by-play radio, uh, his little ball, his hole, yep. that he calls. But um, I, I have a lot of respect for Minnesota. I just don't think they're any good. I really don't. I, I I think Jefferson's a fantastic wide receiver, but when you see the ball 15 times, 16 times a game, of course he's going to have 130 yards. Of course he's going to have close to two touchdowns a game. He's fantastic, but he sees the ball 15 times. Me and you, Speedy, if we saw the ball 15 times, I'm probably going to pull in. Well, I'm, I'm old now. I'm 40, but I'm in great shape. But I, I, I can't run, run a 40 in like 4.5, 4.6 when I was a kid. So what what what's going to happen is is that the, these you know these corners are going to kill me. But nevertheless, 
I'm I, with 15 passes. I'm I'm probably going to get 50 yards and maybe a touchdown. I mean, honestly, if you're throwing me the ball over and over and over again, I'm going to catch it. And I'm going to try to run it in. So I it's to me uh, they're not using Adam Thielen a lot. They're not. He's not. T- I know because he's on my fantasy teams on almost every single one of my fantasy teams. He's been an absolute disaster this year. And Dalvin Cook, what happened to him? This is a guy that was the best running, one of the top three running backs in the NFL before he got hurt last year. He has done nothing this year. That was a nice touchdown route he had. Yeah, but it's not doing enough. Everybody, he was a top five pick in fantasy. Top five. Has he really been worth a top five pick? Not at all. I think he's running back seven right now in fantasy. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just don't think he's as good as everybody thought he was going well, to be. Well, this he's year. good. He's good. No, I, I thought I thought he was going to be a top three well, player. Yeah, because he, the difference is they haven't gotten in the volume. When you see that's been the only downside so far of O'Connell's system, where when you look at a top player, the, the drop off would Sean Mc, the Sean McVay system give him more of a Todd Gurley type year or more of the other running backs type year with Dalvin Cook and. They're used. He's still being used as more of a fifteen carry guy right mm-hmm. now because the passing offense has been very potent. And even T.J. Hawkinson had a nice game in his first game there. But they're utilizing a lot more of those concepts with the passing game where he hasn't really blossomed yet. Now they have the weapons to do that. They they and the offensive lines are pretty good too for Minnesota this year. So they have the ability. Do you to do think that. Minnesota is that good of a team? They are good. I, but I, you're right. Do you well, think they're a Super Bowl contender? No, Honestly, no. I don't think so. Either. I think they're still they're still missing one key thing and that's outside corners and I think that's hurts in a passing league and I agree with what you were saying last week when we had uh, Clay and Lance on the show last week um, when we're doing our picks if the 49ers played the Vikings I agree with you the 49ers will win because they just match up too well with those wide receivers and those offensive concepts the Vikings might win the first round if they play a wild card team maybe they win that because I think their defense is still strong and I don't trust Kirk Cousins they can rush the passer they have a lot of good concepts but they're right now still missing that big thing in a passing league and a rookie safety that's hurt Lewis seen and Harrison Smith is older not the same player as much anymore it's going to be hard to trust that secondary long term in the playoffs to be able to do that kind of thing that's why I think they need to trade for an outside corner their pass rush their front seven's good but I, I think they're still missing that and their offensive line can be undersized too and that could hurt against the Eagles and the 49ers and, and another thing I, I think when I watch the Eagles and I watch the strategic game plan that they have against all the other teams that they've played they haven't beaten anybody good. They really haven't. Who have they beaten? Who's Philadelphia beaten this year that everybody believes is a Super Bowl contender? Have they beaten Kansas City? They beat Minnesota. That was their big game. How they shut down Jefferson. Fantastic. Who have they beaten? They've beaten nobody. Nobody good. They never... And I'll, I will say it again. Did they beat San Francisco? They haven't played San Francisco. Have they beaten, I don't know, they, they didn't play Seattle yet. No. I don't think they play Seattle this year. No, they play Arizona. They play Arizona. Arizona stinks. Yeah, they almost lost that game, the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles haven't beaten anybody. When they have to play Buffalo or Kansas City or beat any of the teams that everybody believes are Super Bowl contenders and they beat them, then we could talk about how good the Eagles are and how strategically is strategically built they are. Not only they everybody believes their their coach is going to win coach of the year. I don't know. Has he been the best coach in the NFL? Honestly, I I love 
what uh, what's his name again has done for the Giants. I, yeah. I I love what Dable has done. I love what Salah has done, and I'm not saying this as a Jet fan. I, I look what Salah has done. I know they lost a lot of players. And look they're probably at, not Super Bowl contenders. I, w- I would give Mike Rabel some running in that, so. Yes. How about, how about Miami's year. coach? Yeah. I mean, all these different coaches. For them to say it's almost a shoe-in that the Eagles coach, I, I forget his name. Nick Sirianni. Sirianni. I always mess up his name. I, I call him Crazy Eyes. But Nick Sirianni was going to win Coach of the Year. I, I think you have to look at so many other different teams that have been – Fantastic this year, and and their strength of schedule you have to look at too. The Eagles haven't beaten anybody good. If the Seahawks, they haven't even played Dallas yet, have they? Yeah, they did. They beat Dallas. They beat Dallas. They beat okay. Dallas three weeks ago. Did but they beat Dallas? If they, yeah, if, they did. If well, they, they aren't defeated. But. If they, if they, if Seattle gets eleven, I forgot eleven and six. But they didn't record. play. They didn't beat Dak. Okay. Yeah, they that's beat fair. Cooper Rush. Okay? okay. Let's see them play Dak Prescott and that defense, and see if they could beat him. I remember they played them on Sunday Night Football, right? Correct. That's I do remember that. Game. Yeah, I I think if if Seattle somehow gets eleven wins this year, Pete Carroll has to be coach of the year. That's one of the harder schedules in the league: the AFC West, NFC South, and their own division. And they were to go through it like that with all the all the players they lost. <laughs> Kenneth Walker is a beast. Yeah, he is an absolute beast. I and he is definitely going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Now that Brees Hall is gone for the season. Brees probably would have won it, even with what Kenneth Walker is doing right now. Brees probably would have won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Probably would, because the fans love him, and I'm not just talking about the Jet fans. There are people that are not even Jets fans buying his jersey. He had a very popular jersey. I I think week four, week five, he was amongst the top ten jersey sales in all of the NFL. But I will say this. Kenneth Walker is not human. (laughs) <laughs> Did you see him this past week? Uh, three touchdowns? I, was, it two, was it two or three? It was it was three touchdowns and the two of them in the fourth quarter. I, I mean, he was running all over a good off a, a good defense, running all over them. Arizona, right? It was Arizona. Arizona, who's been bad against the run, but still. But they have, they have talent. They have they, talent. They have a good secondary. They have good safety plays. They have, they they are a good defense. They were supposed to be a great defense this year. And he completely ran all over them. It was embarrassing. And you see Pete Carroll with the smile on his face, and he's he's dancing around on the sideline. I love Pete Carroll for one reason. His personality and his, like, his smirk. Who's smarter than Pete Carroll? They trade Russell Wilson, who's having one of the worst seasons out of out of any of the top quarterbacks in NFL history, okay, his season has been horrific, okay? Going to the Broncos where everybody thought the Broncos were going to be good, okay? And he brings in Geno Smith, who the Jets gave up on, the Giants gave up on. He's been a journeyman. He's been a backup, the highest-paid backup quarterback in Seattle for the last three years. He gets the starting job over a guy that everybody thought was going to be the starter from the Broncos, and you know who I'm talking about, Speedy. Again, you're looking at a case where Geno Smith is even getting paid more than Matt Flynn, too. Yeah, absolutely. That ridiculous contract. Absolutely. And Geno Smith's actually showing it. Geno Smith, right now, is a top four MVP candidate. Right now. Who would have thought that? That Geno Smith, and I will say this, watch out for Seattle. Because this defense is for real. This is a good defense. And the offensive line is as good as any offensive line in football. And they can run the ball. 
This as long as Walker stays healthy, there won't we won't be talking about Rashad Penny anymore. <laughs> no, he, he he's gone at the end of this year. Anyway. I'm, I'm just saying yeah. we won't speak about Rashad Penny anymore. Everybody forgot about him. They forgot about him. He was playing well before he got hurt. They'll forget about him because Kenneth Walker to me is going to be an elite running back in the NFL for many many years. This kid is for real. This guy is good. He's pushing people, throwing people around. He's fantastic. And DK Metcalf, he hasn't lost a beat. Lockett hasn't lost a beat. This team hasn't lost a beat since Russell Wilson. As a matter of fact, this offensive line has been better because after that trade, they get a star tackle, left tackle, and in the third round, they get another right tackle, which, by the way, is probably the best tandem in the NFL right now. So, I, <laughs> there is nothing bad to say about Seattle. You're right, Speedy. Pete Carroll is having a great year, and everybody yeah. thought he's the oldest coach in the NFL, and everybody thought this this could be his last year. They weren't. They weren't. They, they were going to fire him because there's no way they're going to win more than six games. This team already is six and three, mm-hmm. and, everyone, and everyone thought his style was outdated too. Like, they're the best team in their division. Okay, and by he, far. And he finally evolved it. Like, he was always, oh, he's too conservative. He runs the ball too much. Speedy, before the season, before the season started, who, who did we think was the worst team in that division? The Seahawks. Se- the Seattle. Yeah. And who's the best team in that division? The Seahawks. Seattle. <laughs> so, what, and, and I'm sure Russell Wilson right now is crying the blues to Seattle. <laughs> yeah. They're stuck with Nathaniel Hackett. Her new album coming out. <laughs> Her new album, Blue, a.k.a. Uh, Russ Be Russ Be Gone, <laughs> with Missy Elliott. Yep. Her new album, Blue, the, the, the depiction of how Nathaniel Hackett coaches. <laughs> and, oh, and, man. And uh, judges clock management. It's crazy, man. Well, he's not the first coach, Ryer. That's right. It is right. crazy what's going on in the NFL. <laughs> Look at the top teams in the NFL right now. Who would have thought that the Jets would be a top five team? Who would have thought that? I, I mean, honestly, who would have thought that the, the Seattle Seahawks would be a top-five team right now in the NFL? And on a lot of people's list, both teams are in the top five. Both of them. Mm-hmm. Both of them. And that's not taking shots at Buffalo, who right now is 6-2, and two, and, and I still believe is a top-two team. I think it's Kansas City and Buffalo. Those are the two best teams. Okay. They are. Right now, they're, they're, they have the two best quarterbacks, so they're the yes. two best teams. That's what I think. And then I would say, uh, you look at the downgrades. You, you, can, you can argue my, Miami because of Tua, now that he's healthy. You can argue that the Jets, obviously with their running game and their defense, you can argue that Geno Smith in Seattle is right there. You can argue, obviously, the Eagles are there. Eagles are third or, or first. You can argue. If they can find a way to hold a lead, the Ravens, too. <laughs> the Ravens, I, I mean, I, I'd say right now it would go – Kansas City, Buffalo, the Eagles, Seattle, the Jets. That's where I think it is. Right now, those are the top five teams in the NFL right now. Who would have thought the Seahawks and the Jets? And then Jamal Adams just gets to watch it on his couch. Do I think the Jets are better than Seattle is defensively? 100%. I don't know if their offensive lines. And Geno's played better than Zach. And Kenneth Walker is better. He's a better running back than any of the two running backs the Jets have. Robinson, Carter. They're good, but Walker's on a whole nother. Walker right now is top three running back in the NFL. Look at his numbers. I mean, 
he's been the best running back in the league for the last four weeks. It's not even close. Ever since Brees Hall got hurt. As soon as Brees got hurt, Penny got hurt. Walker took over. And Walker has never looked back. Yeah, week, week five was his breakout against the Saints, who are a top run defense normally. And and uh, Brees Hall had that last big week against Miami, and then the week after he got hurt. Well, and, he, he ran that 62-yard yeah. uh, touchdown against the Broncos. Right. And then he got hurt. Yeah, and, right. And, and, and Brees was on his way. And if Walker, even if Walker was playing this way, I still think I would take – because I know Brees Hall would still be averaging pretty, pretty – High level yards and, and yeah. touchdowns. I it just still... depends on usage, though, because yeah. uh, again, Michael Carter's still there, and, and you know that system is still evolved around versatility. Whereas Seattle likes to run one guy a lot of the time too. So Walker might have gotten it just on the volume, but we'll never know for sure. No, we'll never know. And and right now, I think Kenneth Walker is is a shoo-in as the offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, there's, there's no receiver that's going to steal that from him right now. I mean, Garrett, say no quarterback. Garrett Wilson was having a pretty good year, and and then Zach stopped throwing to him, but. Now he he's starting to catch the ball, and yeah. if he starts to explode and starts scoring touchdowns, maybe we'll be talking about Garrett Wilson. And 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 London fell apart. I, I don't know what's going on with injury London. with him. Yeah. yeah, London is, but we all knew that London wasn't going to stay healthy. Right. We we all knew that London was never going to stay fully healthy all season long. So it, 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 to me, it, it could be Garrett Wilson. It could be it, it right now. Alavi's having yeah, by the way, shout out to Magic Carl. Alavi's had a good season too. Yeah, that's true. Good. That's true. He's he, been good too. Yeah, he's been the yeah. most consistent so far of the wide receivers. Obviously, I don't think he's the most talented. I think Wilson's not, the most not talented. Close. But Alave's probably been the most consistent. So if they were to give it to him, it'd probably be a, a receiver. Alave's not winning it. No, no, no. Walker's gonna win. He's it, a one trick pony. Alave is a one trick pony. He's go out there and catch the ball. Use your speed. Alave reminds me. Who does he remind me of? Uh, who's that fast guy that played for the Pittsburgh Steelers and then he went all over? He was a journeyman. He played Mike for Miami. Wallace. Mike Wallace. Oh, That's really? who reminds me. Really? He's a okay. better Mike Wallace. See, I always thought he was overrated, Mike Wallace. But so he was. I, a, okay. He's a. He's a better <laughs> Mike Wallace. Okay. Mike Wallace was one of the fastest uh, wide receivers in football. Right, but he, his hands weren't that good. No, that's, that's Alave, but Alave's had that problem too when he when everybody was questioning his hand potential going from Ohio State to the NFL. They said that he. Yeah, I, I was worried about it too, but I, but I think he's been better than expected no, in terms of. I think he's a good game. wide receiver. Yeah. He's good. I, I do. I believe he's a good wide receiver. Do I think he's better than Garrett Wilson talent wise? No, no, no. I don't think so. And I, I, Falave thinks that he's out of his mind. <laughs> I don't. Okay? I don't think they really care about being petty like that. They're former teammates. No, they're friends. But yeah. I'm sure competition is competition. You're going to ask Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Who do you think is better? Do you think Jarvis is going to say Odell? Come on. Eh, maybe. No, he won't. Who knows? No, he won't. How many times? We've, we had, uh, we had a, an ex-NFL player on the show that played with both of them. Oh, yeah, Tony. That's right. Uh-huh. And what did Tony, Tony say? Lippet. And Tony said that he believes that Jarvis Landry was the better wide receiver. He did. I remember he that. said that. <laughs> yes, he did. So, it, and I think Jarvis Landry was so talented, and he can't stay healthy. But he's playing on the Saints, too, and maybe he's helping out Olave in his growth as a player. Who knows? But... It, it's so very interesting when you look at so many different young players this year and how they're developing. And this draft class, fantastic. This has been um, one of the better draft classes we've seen in a very long time. Go, just look at it. Look at the, 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 the different players. Everybody thought Jordan Davis was going to be that, the, the standout guy. Jordan Davis hasn't really had a great season. They haven't used him as much as we thought they were going to. 
Did you did you think they weren't going to use him as much as they did? Well, they have they have uh, they, Javon Hargrave and Cox. and Javon Graham. Hargrave is good too. Yes. So the, the, it's the rotation of it, and it just I'm surprised he didn't get more edge reps. Either one of those three didn't get more edge reps once Barnett went out for the year too. But now they traded for Robert Quinn, uh, so that's going to make a difference as well. So for the rotation. he's not he's not going to play a lot, and, and it's crazy how good Jordan Davis was, and ev- how everybody thought Jordan Davis was the outbreak defensive rookie of the year. Now, it's not even close. It's Gardner. Gardner is defensive rookie. Of the, unless he gets hurt in the next two or three weeks, right. he is the defensive rookie. Of the It's not even close. It, 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 so, it's fantastic. It, it really is when you look at some of these young players, Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, Jermaine Johnson. We go up and down Alave. We, we go up and down the list of players that were drafted this year. And even Hutchinson has had a good year. Charles Cross is fantastic. Yeah. I mean... This is this has been a great class. Thibodeau has been really good. Yes, I, I mean they. This has been a really good draft class. Everybody thought that this, eh, this is not such a great draft class. Remember how many how many fantasy guys we've had on this show, and how many top well, for fantasy, end guys. That's a little different. Not even yeah. fantasy okay. guys. We had top guys. Uh, you know, um, draft analysts, draft yeah. analysts that have been on this show. And every Sports Illustrated, we have all these guys that come on our show, and they told us this is a weak draft class when it comes to players. Boy, are they wrong. This has been a fantastic draft class. This is going to go down as one of the the better draft classes in the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. That's how good it is. You're going to have all pro, pro ball players uh, from this class. And I'm not talking about Jets. I'm just talking about... You're talking about Garner could go down right now. His numbers are better than Deion Sanders was his rookie season. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's Deion Sanders, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But if he keeps up this pace and he stays healthy and he is, uh, the, he's playing the way in his growth, he's only going to be better. Could you imagine what he is going to be? Very unique prototype. Before we go to break, I just want to mention, yeah, yeah very unique prototype, too, that you're not going to find as well in a lot of these corners, too. So yeah. some, something that could change the game or something that could be very hard to find. Unique. Big, long, speed, uh, the ability to see the ball, intercept the ball, and, and, and use his body to his advantage. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's like, it, it's, it's like magic, okay? It's like the, when you watch a magic trick and you look at somebody's hand, and you're saying, okay, I pick a card, any card. You pick a card out of the deck, and then he he does what he does with the deck, and and you, and then you're wowed when you pull he pull you pull out your card, and and he guesses what card it is. Okay, that is Gardner. That is Sauce Gardner. He doesn't use cards. He uses his game, his ability to see the field, and stop whoever's in front of him. It, it, it's it's magic. It's fantastic. It's something that. I believe uh, is the prototype w- corner that we're going to see teams look at for the future. Big, long, uh, fast, and has the ability to jump. So, fantastic. When we come back, we'll be talking to former NFL offensive tackle and current Michigan football radio broadcaster, John Chanson, here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android 
Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We were talking about the Jets, speaking about all the NFL, and why not bring in an ex-NFL player that was a tackle for, for a few years in the NFL and now a current Michigan football radio broadcaster. We are now talking to former NFL offensive tackle and current Michigan football radio broadcaster, John Jensen. What's up, John? Hey, how's it going? I'm glad you guys caught me before uh, the Lions uh, snapped me up as the next head coach. <laughs> well, that might happen, John. <laughs> hey, I'm just waiting for the phone to ring. Now that it, now that I know it's a possibility, trust me, I'm getting my staff ready. I'm getting everything ready. Half those guys were my teammates anyway, so uh, I could just inherit that staff and be all right. Well, don't tell Jeff Saturday that. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, how about that? That's uh, amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, have, I'm sure you guys have been talking about mm-hmm. it. I'd love to hear your take on, on do you think this is a full-on tank or does Jim Irsay really believe that this is a good move? It's so interesting when we talk about Jeff Sadler. I have always liked him as a, a center. Uh, Peyton Manning has spoke highly of him, saying that he's one of the smartest players he's ever played with. Uh, he's a great He's a great center in this league. He was one of the elite centers in the NFL for, what, eight or nine years. Fantastic player. But then you look at Jim Irsay. This is a man that a lot of people don't like, okay, on and off the field. Uh, He does a lot of stupid things. He says a lot of stupid things. And him getting involved with this just shows you the state of where this organization is right now. So when you try to take something and try to make it stick, does it really stick? Will it stick? If it does, he looks like the smartest guy in the world. If it doesn't, he looks like the dumbest owner in the NFL. So do I think this is going to work? I don't think so. I I, I really don't. It doesn't make sense. But again, we've seen crazier things, John. You've seen crazier things. You've been an NFL player, and you now are a radio guy. So you can see crazier things happen. But do I think this will will work this year? I think that one way or another, this team is done. This offensive line is not the same offensive line we believe they were going to be in the beginning of the season. They can't stay healthy. Taylor can't stay healthy. They uh, Pittman, they can't get the ball to Pittman because they have a quarterback that doesn't even know his own name. So I, I don't know what's going on with this team. I, I you, you mentioned that you know you think I've seen crazier and you would think I had, especially <laughs> since I spent a decade in Washington and, and my first year was was when Dan Snyder bought the team. But I don't know. I mean, we had okay, so I had Steve Spurrier, we oh. had uh Marty Schottenheimer who was fired after one year <laughs> after going 0 and five and then finishing up eight and eight. We had a thing rolling, then he brings in Steve Spurrier. Uh, then let's see, what would we have? Oh, we hired an offensive coordinator in Jim Zorn, found out that oh, that's yeah. not the way you're supposed to do it. So <laughs> instead of hiring the coach, we just promoted him to head coach, and we all know how that went. So <laughs> I have seen some stuff in my day. However, I don't know. I mean, if you're trying to sell this too in terms to your fan base, all you got to do is say, hey, we're going to give this a shot. We're hoping that, uh, you know, Jeff Saturday, you know, settles things down. We're working on the culture. And then you shut up. You don't start <laughs> talking about quartiles of quartiles of quartiles and whatever else he was talking about. I mean, he compared him to uh, Don Shula. I heard that name thrown out there. Um 
uh, there was the shoot. There was a couple other coaches that he was talking about. And as he's continuing to run his mouth, I'm sitting there going, all right, Hey, we can accept the fact that you're tanking. We can accept the fact that you're going to play Sam Ellinger and not two quarterbacks that have been to Super Bowls. <laughs> but if you would just stop talking, this would go better. <laughs> it, it is a bold strategy when you think about it, though. I don't even mind it like that is in the season, too. Like, if they're going to, you're going to try something bold, at least experiment with it now. Because I don't know if any coach would necessarily save the Colts season the way it is right now. It would take, what, a nine game winning streak for them to do anything. So, uh, why not try? We've seen baseball and basketball, a lot of ex young ex players, young players get it right away. Coaching. Yeah, jobs. hell, Philly yeah. made a change. Look where they're at. They were in the World Series. They didn't win it all, but they were in the World Series. Mm hmm. Yeah. We are talking to former NFL offensive tackle and current Michigan football radio broadcaster, John Jensen. What were your thoughts, obviously, on Sunday on the Jets? I mean, we we speak highly. We're here in New York. We're on Long Island. Uh, there's a ton of Jet fans over here. And everybody, after last, the week before, after the debacle of the Patriots, and, and the, everybody thought that, including all the Jets, thought that they were the better team. They had the most talent. They got beat by a team that shouldn't even have been in the same field as the New York Jets, and then going against a Buffalo Bills team that nobody thought anybody, anybody in the world believed that they were going to be uh, coming, actually continue to play the way they played it defensively against a very good offensive line, a very good defense. Were you surprised that the Jets did something like that against a great team like that? I mean, yeah, I think if, if anybody says they're not surprised, they're lying to you. That is a shock that the Jets would beat Buffalo Bills. But you're also looking at it going, hey, the Jets are now 6-3. and three. That, to me, is a shock from what I expected at the beginning of the season. Now, hey, Zach Wilson, is, is, is he the same as Josh Allen? No, but that, that just goes to show you that any given Sunday, so, I mean, it, anything can go down. It, it, you can beat anybody in this league. We've seen it time and time again. I mean, let, let's just go back to Indianapolis. Who thought last year, at the end of the year, with Indianapolis, playoffs are on the line that the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to beat them? <laughs> like, I mean, nobody was picking that. It just, and I forget who the other two was at the. Um, the Chargers the and the Raiders could have got in too, and that right, was the whole yeah, tie and, controversy. It was unbelievable. I mean, like, there was so much drama going into that, and we thought, okay, well, you know, there's no chance that Jacksonville beats Indianapolis. And then all of a sudden, you turn it on, you're like, holy cow, this is going on. It's the same thing with the Jets and the Bills. Josh Allen is, is having an MB, MVP type of season, but it goes to show if you throw two interceptions and you turn the ball over, you don't play – to the level that you are expected to play at every single Sunday, then you can go to the Jets and lose because they could play their best game. And I'm not saying they did, but you've got guys on that sideline that are NFL players, right? And the Jets aren't the Jets from, what, two or three years ago. They're a team that they may be young. They're not going to beat a whole lot of Buffalo Bill opponents, but right now they're sitting at six wins. Hell, in Detroit, we would love – <laughs> to have Robert Sala and be at six wins. <laughs> well, they had a chance to get Robert Sala. <laughs> hey, we could we could have had Robert Sala. We could have kept everybody that was born and raised in Detroit. <laughs> we would have a damn good team. And I tell you what, when you guys are done with Sauce Gardner after this year, trade them back to Detroit. <laughs> and we'll take them back. We'll, sure we'll send you will. Jeff Okuda 
And let's see, who else am I going to throw in there for? Hell, we'll, we'll, we'll give you Jared Goff. We'll just throw that one Thank in for you. free. Thank you for that uh, great trade, by the way. Um, <laughs> you can add all the all the three receivers that are hurt, too, while you're at it. Fantastic yeah. And the move. two tight ends that caught touchdowns. Well, we know you can't be a GM in the NFL. <laughs> right, yes, yes, no, but I, got, I, I do have head coaching resume. There My you son's go. team, who's a, 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 what, a, a sixth-grade team, we took them to the Super Bowl, so I think I'm as qualified as Jeff Saturday is. <laughs> there you go, man. See, so you can think of it this way. So now Jeff Saturday could be the, the first trendsetter. You could be the bigger trendsetter where right. you're, you're going to be more successful. And then all of a sudden you're going to get all these offensive linemen that are becoming head coaches again. <laughs> It'll be a whole ripple effect. Hey, that's why we all become broadcasters because we go. actually do know the game. Yeah, that's true. And you do know the game. And and that, going into this offseason, obviously with Michigan – getting knocked off uh, in the, I guess, the final four, whatever they call it, the the, the survival four, uh, whatever they call it, the pond four. But uh, they got knocked out, and, and they looked really, really bad. And uh, going into the offseason, nobody thought that this team was going to be a top four, top five team. We, we, we talk about John, Jim Harbaugh. A lot of people believed uh, that he could have been fired in the offseason because of what he did. Uh, in th- that those games, but uh, you know, losing Hutchinson, losing the players that they lose lost in the offseason to uh, obviously the NFL and, and in- into the draft. Nobody thought that this team, this recruiting class, was going to have the season they're having right now. They're ranked third. Are you surprised where Michigan is right now? I am a little surprised uh, because the biggest question mark was defense. You lose David Ojabo, um, who could have been a first-round pick if mm-hmm. not for the Achilles injury. Aiden Hutchinson, obviously number two overall. Dax Hill, uh, Josh Ross, who's in Baltimore, you, your middle linebacker. I mean, you go right down the list of guys that were high producers, not just a guy that was a, a Heisman contender, but guys that were producing and guys that were leaders on the team. Yeah, you're wondering, okay, where does the production come from and what happens? And not only that, but you lose Mike McDonald, your defensive coordinator. Yeah. He goes to Baltimore. You get Jesse Minter, who spent one year down at, the, what is it, Valparaiso or, uh, you know, who, one of those Vs, uh, <laughs> and, and comes up to Ann Arbor. Same concept, right? They were coached together with, under John Harbaugh at Baltimore, but different voice, different, you know, tenure. Di- I mean, just every different temperament. All of that stuff is different on defense. Now you're looking nine games in, they've got more sacks than they had last year, more quarterback pressures. They're letting up less yardage on, on the defense in terms of, of, you know, the ground game. It's, it's a better defense than it was last year. And that's the surprise offensively. I think everybody believed that this was going to be a high powered offense and by high powered. I say, you got a running back that can run for 150, 170 every single week. We're not necessarily airing it out. We have that ability, but we're not using it right now because we just haven't been forced to. And I asked, you know, offensive coordinator Matt Weiss, and and I, same question I asked Josh Gaddis last year: Why don't you throw the ball more? Because when you go against Georgia, right, you're going to have to be able to do that. We we found that out last year, and they've gone deep a couple of times. And he said, right now, like right now, it's not our job to beat ourselves. It's the same thing Josh Gaddis said last year. We're still working on those things in practice, but. Why would we go out there and risk the football if we don't have to? We'll just hand it off to Blake Corum. We've got another Heisman contender in, in, you know, in the performance that he's been putting through uh, this year. So why would we risk ourselves? We'll take our shots when we have to, uh, but they just, they just don't feel it necessary. 
Everybody thought Beyond Robinson was the only running back that could win the Heisman. Nope, no, Blake Corum has entered the chat. So, (laughs) yeah, so I wanted to ask about the the, the comparison to last year's team. Do you see anything different when it comes to an identity perspective with this Michigan team in comparison to what they were last year? Obviously, a lot of people making a difference with uh, J.J. McCarthy being a quarterback over Kate McNamara. Do you think that is a big difference and maybe on the defensive side, too? Well, it, it's it's a difference in skill set. Yeah, J.J. is much more mobile. Um, he'll extend plays. He's got a stronger arm. He can go deep if he wants to. He can go deep on the run. But w- the one thing that he has done, especially over the last three or four weeks, when he's more comfortable in making that decision of, hey, no one is open, especially when he sees man coverage. This is when he's been really good at making that decision of no one's open. They're dropping everybody and I've got two high safeties, I'm going to go ahead and tuck it and run it because there's nobody there at the second level that even knows he's running, and he's picked up some some key first downs in doing so. But the identity for Michigan offensively is still run the football and be physical, dominate the line of scrimmage. Last week against Rutgers, they get the ball, and it drives me nuts that there is lack of creativity inside the red zone. Against Michigan State two weeks ago, they get in the red zone and they kick five field goals. All right. So, hey, we're going to we're going to prove a point. We're going to get inside the five yard line and we're going to run the ball four times. Hey, it's, it's first and goal from the four. You run it. OK, now it's second and goal from the two. You run it. It's third and goal from the one. You run it. Now it's fourth and goal from the, the one foot line. They're they're running right up the middle because they feel like they can. They want to make sure that their offensive line is is capable of doing that. I would like to see a little bit more creativity. They did get in the end zone more. I think it was, what, seven trips in the red zone, six touchdowns. But that's where that that's where, you know, I talk about identity offensively. It's a smash-mouth offense. That's what they want to be. That's what they're going to do. Luke Schoonmaker, their tight end, is going to be one of their key targets every single week. Defensively, this is where it's the change is in terms of identity. They don't have... The, the Aiden Hutchinson up front that's going to win a one-on-one battle more times than not. They've got guys that can do that, like Yabioki, uh, the transfer in late in camp. He's been a great addition. Uh, Mike Morris is, is one of those guys that has come on as a senior and really had a good year. When there's a big play that has to be made, he's the guy that's making it. Uh, but Chris Jenkins is another guy. Mozzie Smith, the number one freak uh, from the uh, from the athletic. He's a stud, and he's having a good year. But they don't have that one guy that can just flip that switch and say, on this play, I'm going to win. They're getting pressure from every level. Mikey Sandra's still coming off the edge. Nickelback. Uh, Will Johnson, who is an absolute stud. Uh, you know, he's wearing Charles Woodson's number two. He's got a lot to live up to. He's a five-star freshman. He's playing well, had his first interception against Rutgers, but they're bringing guys from every single level to create pressure on the quarterback. And they, like I said earlier, they are, they're ahead of the game in terms of pressures and sacks than they were last year. It's just not coming from, from one or two guys. It's coming from everybody. We are talking to former NFL offensive tackle and current Michigan football radio broadcaster, John Jansen. He's been on our show. Fantastic personality. Knows his stuff. We look at right now the college ranking. And nobody, after Georgia won the national championship, everybody thought that they were going to take two steps down. They lost a lot of players uh, in the draft this year. Top end players. Top defensive players. 
But uh, defensively, this team is still beasting. Offensively, they still can run the ball. They still can throw the ball. And then you look at Ohio State, which obviously the quarterback play, Heisman candidate. Uh, Michigan, obviously, number three. TCU took up t- uh, took fourth right now in the uh, college voting. They should have been fourth to begin with. Yes. But, <laughs> and then, then after Alabama get, gets knocked off this past week, uh, and falls to seven and two, and now LSU, which looked really bad in the beginning of the season, they just didn't look good. All of a sudden, jumps and hops all the way as the seventh seventh ranked right now. Uh, it's crazy. Tennessee, some people thought was the best team in the country a couple of weeks ago. Now all of a sudden they lose a game and they fall all the way out from the top four. Are you surprised that it keeps jumping back and forth, back and forth? But we all know it's Georgia, Ohio State for the, since the beginning of the season. Uh, you know what? This time, when the first poll comes out, right? Everybody knows there's so much football to be played. It came out last Tuesday, a week ago, Tuesday, mm-hmm. and Georgia and Tennessee, who are what one and three, they're playing each other. All right, so that we already know that somebody's going to drop out of that top four. Michigan and Ohio State are going to play the last Saturday in November, so somebody is going to drop out of there. And I know there was a lot of people that were up in arms. I could tell, uh, you know, at least half of you guys are up in arms that TCU wasn't ranked four. I was a little bit upset. At, I mean, when you look at strength of schedule, and I know Oklahoma is not that that win over Oklahoma is not aging well. Um, the win over Kansas is not aging well. But at the time, they were top twenty teams, and you've got to go with how they were ranked at the time. They they played four ranked teams in a row. And yeah, they had to go into overtime with Oklahoma State, but they're a good football team. They don't have a lot of NFL talent, but they're a good football team. And they're going to be tested this week. They're going to Austin. And if Quinn Ewers plays to the level that he should be playing at at Texas, I mean, that's going to be a hell of a battle. Going into Austin anytime is hard to win. Uh, And if they can do it, they're going to prove that they belong in that college football playoffs. But, you know, I don't know if anybody from the Pac-12 really belongs. You know, I mean, it's what been six years since they've been, uh, had a seat at the table. I don't think and Washington State got in that year either. Penn State, I thought, should have gotten in that year. I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. But you look and you say, I thought early on in the season, until Utah lost a couple of games, they were the most physical. They were the most able to match up with a Georgia, and not not necessarily win, I'm just saying be on the field and match up with an Ohio State, yet, you know, they've got two losses. And you look at LSU and you say, well, you lost the opener to Florida State. Like, Florida State. <laughs> eh. My and favorite it, football team. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're a Florida State guy? I'm a huge Florida State fan from the uh, 90s. I can't – you know what? Before I came on to it, if you're a Florida State guy, I can't believe <laughs> that you're comparing Sauce Gardner to, to Deion Sanders. <laughs> Come on. It there's a long way. Stats say one thing, but prime time says a whole different I deal. Know. I know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. That, you know, and, and you go back me under the bus. Doesn't age well. Oregon losing 49 to 3 doesn't age well. Tennessee, I know that they they beat Alabama, but they they allowed 49 points in that game. Are you kidding me? Like mm. what type of defense allows 49 points? And so it's I think the college football playoff committee is going to be pressed into some tough decisions at the end of the year, but there's so much football to be played between now and then. 
And that was my problem with Clemson. Like, everyone put them number four, and, like, Clemson they only blows. dominated one game. <laughs> that, that is actually a good win. The NC State win they dominated was the only good win they had. And They, they should have lost to Syracuse. I know. I, I, last week, everybody's like, oh, they're going to South Bend. And, uh, yeah, they're going to South Bend to lose. <laughs> they are not an offense that you can trust. Who's their quarterback? We don't even know who that is. Right. And, again, that, like, they – I was going through a lot of even the top 10. There's a lot of those teams that I thought that could have, that would beat Clemson on the way they played this year so far with their offensive line being as bad as it is. I don't know what it's going on, but they have one quality win. You have to start out number four and TCU, like you were saying, has four top 15, top 20 wins. Yeah. So here's a question for you guys. All right. All right. North Carolina. All right. If they run the table, they're a one loss team. Mm-hmm. Do does an ACC champ get in? To the, to the college football playoffs because, you, you know, pretty soon you're only going to have a couple of teams that are undefeated. Right. Then you got to decide, are you taking a one-loss Pac-12 champ? Are you taking a one-loss ACC champ? What are you doing with the Big 12? I mean, TCU right now is one of those undefeated teams. Do, do we think they're going to be undefeated running the table all the way through? I think they're going to slip up, and it could be this weekend against Texas. We just talked about that. Michigan and Ohio State are going to have one. Somebody's going to have one loss between the two of them. Like, how does, if North Carolina runs the table, are they going to, you know, get into, is Mac Brown as old as he is? is he, are we going to see him dancing his way into the college football playoffs? <laughs> That's the same question, though, with Oregon, too, because it's the same It's the same position. Like, they're a one-loss Pac-12 team, and they're only lost to Georgia. Like, are you going to hold that against them? I, yeah, I know you said the 49-3 to is definitely a bad bad loss, but UNC's one loss to Notre Dame right now. How will they finish? And we know they've had some bad losses this year already, too. So that's, yeah. a, that's the big thing to look at. The other one that's interesting, too, is uh, one losses that might be in the in the SEC too, it's like a second SEC team besides Georgia. Tennessee's right now in that boat, and also Ole Miss is in that boat too. Now, if they beat Alabama, that could be a big thing leap for them this week. How about so, UCLA? UCLA is the same. We know we right. know a couple of guys yes. that play for UCLA. Yeah, UCLA and USC are all going to be in that same boat too. And Oregon's going to gain more if they do end up winning those games because th- their schedule gets harder now too. So the wins will be more quality too. It's now, so if USC in- beats Oregon, that's another question. It's too. so interesting how how the board picks and and, and chooses through points. You know. And, when, when you're looking at the SEC and, and the ACC, how do you describe, how do you, you know, you, you go from one point to the other and say, hey, this is, this is 30 points. This is 40 points. This is, how, do, how do they do that? I, I don't understand it. I would love to, to find out and sit in that room and listen to the process that they go through. I would love to sit in there and just argue with them because the arguments are going to be endless, right? It, yeah. it, you could argue for a USC. You could argue for a UCLA. Now, obviously, those teams are going to play. You could argue for – and here's what it's going to come down to as well. We've seen one-loss teams get in there. We've seen Ohio State jump a Penn State to get in without playing in a, national, in a conference championship game. Michigan and Ohio State, if they meet at 11-0, and 0, which they both should, and that game is an instant classic. See, it comes down to the wire. Both teams are playing great don't we agree that they're probably two of the best teams in the country, no matter who wins or loses that game. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, it, I mean, does, does, do we get two big 10 teams in? We've seen two sec teams. 
Mm. Yeah, and that, that's going to be the question because where, how strong will those remaining SEC teams? If Alabama loses a third game, does Tennessee's win against Alabama look that good anymore? Everybody loves Tennessee. Everybody loves Tennessee. And when they lost against Georgia, everybody said, well, they're still, they still have a chance. The only way they have a chance is either TCU, Michigan, or Ohio State or Georgia loses a game. Well, and I don't think Georgia or Ohio State's losing a game but, this year. Yeah, and Tennessee's now in the same well, boat uh, as the scenario you described. Ohio State will lose November 26th. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Let's not forget about that one. Yeah, we they know about last they had year. That one wrapped up last year, too. They came into the big house and they got their ass handed to them. <laughs> It's funny. It's funny. Uh, this is a different Ohio State team, as you know. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. They. They. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like, is he going to play this year or not? That's true. Right. That's true. But it's funny. We actually had uh, one of the guys that used to call our show was he. They always. He always loved to bash Michigan because we have a Michigan fan that comments on our show a lot, and <laughs> he was saying, "Oh, there's no way that Michigan's going to beat Ohio State last year," and, <laughs> and they, they took it to them. So he had to. He had to eat his words with that one. Oh yeah, that was that. That was an epic, epic day. Uh, I went in, I rushed the field because uh, that was before I was doing the color for the games. Mm-hmm. And so I rushed the field with my kids and I was dancing around and my kids said, dad, this is the happiest we have ever seen you. My oldest at the time was 15 years old. And I said, you're right, because it's the first time we beat these assholes in your <laughs> lifetime. And I still stand by the fact that you guys got screwed in 2016. So <laughs> that, uh, that first down, that shouldn't have been a first down. It's, it's debatable. It's debatable. Hey, before I go, though, I want to ask you guys this question. Yeah. Let's hear it. Because Blake Corum is in the conversation for the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not a quarterback, so he probably won't win it. There are other quarterbacks involved. Obviously, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Hendon Hooker. How about Caleb Williams? If Caleb Williams was playing in the Big Ten or if Caleb Williams was in the SEC, would he be the front runner right now for the Heisman Trophy? It's, it's an interesting question because do is he going to be able to take on those level of defenses too? Because we always talk about with Oklahoma, like Oklahoma when he was there, he got the cakewalk of defenses. Even though they were improved last year, would he have that same kind of tradition? Now a lot of people are saying that with the Pac-12 this year. A lot of these Pac-12 teams do not have great defenses, and that's the tough thing to tell. I don't know if he would have those kinds of numbers in the SEC or the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, it, it, would he have those numbers? But he'd also have a heck of a lot more publicity. That's true. Now, the other question is, too, what team are you going to? You're not going to get helped up by Lincoln Riley and all those transfer guys they brought in, too. Travis Dye's really good. You got Jordan Addison's really good when he's healthy. So are you going to get that same level of talent with offensively, specifically, with the Big Ten that still – they recruit a lot of great both with both, but they still a lot of great he also recruits, He's also so. playing on a very good quarterback uh, program. Obviously, right. uh, Lincoln Riley knows, knows yeah. his a little thing or two when it comes to quarterbacks. Edge Jalen Hurts. Yes, everybody – that's gone through through him. NFL quarterbacks now, most of these kids they want to go through Lincoln Riley because a lot of them have been become successful in the NFL and, right. and have done pretty well ever since they went to that next level. So I I think Caleb Williams will be up for a Heisman Trophy. He he, he should be. I mean his numbers show that he should be. The question is when you look and you you compare and contrast some of these other quarterbacks and looking at the like Speedy was saying, you you look at the program. Does the program fit? the quarterback that is going to be right. 
uh, in the process of winning that, you know, that prestige uh, Heisman Trophy. If he doesn't have Lincoln Riley, is he this good? Is what I'm thinking. Is more of what I'm getting at. Because even if they're on a team that might be more talented or higher ranked than USC is, like, is it automatically going to translate for what he is? Because he's he was kind of raw last year too. He took over mid season Mm -hmm. for uh, Spencer Rattler, who Errol's not a big fan of. (laughs) I hate him. Yeah, I hate that kid. I'm with you on that. I can agree with you on that. I can't. And before we let you go, I, I I know I've spoke I've spoken about Spencer for many 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 years. It's been like three years. I've since he's come out of high school. QB one on Netflix. I watched that kid. He is one of the and I know quarterbacks are cocky. He is one of the most cockiest people I have ever seen. You haven't done anything. You were in high school. You're the number one prospect. Who cares? Okay? Go play college ball. Go to the NFL and have to compete against all the other quarterbacks that were just as good as you or even better. This kid since day one, you know, the stories that you heard about him in high school and then his parents, he walks around like he's won something. What have you won? You've won nothing. And you couldn't even keep your job in Oklahoma. Where are you now? Oh, I'm sorry. You're on, you're in North Carolina, you're what, Carolina, South Carolina. South Carolina okay. Yeah. You're, you're, and, and you were supposed to be a top, top draft pick. You're not even going to be drafted in the, in the first three rounds. Neither Spencer Rattler nor Oklahoma wins in this. He's a joke. Right. Well, and, and that was a little condemning of Lincoln Riley. Could Lincoln Riley recruit and develop his own quarterback? Because it was a transfer of Baker Mayfield. It was a transfer of Kyler Murray. It was a transfer in Jalen Hurts. And, you know, uh, except for Caleb Williams. Now, obviously, he was recruited by Lincoln Riley. But that was kind of the, the thing that Lincoln Riley said, I, as soon as I saw this kid, this is the kid that was built to, to run my offense. And when you are that type of talent and you can't even be productive for the coach that says you fit my offense perfectly, yet I'm going to, in year two, I'm going to bench you. Like, <laughs> get, what has Spencer Rattler done? He's done nothing. <laughs> nothing. He's a waste of space. But, John, we really appreciate your time. As always, we want to get you on before the season's over because I want to know your take. If Michigan makes it to that Fab Four, where does Michigan go? Do they win the national championship finally? That that will be the question. Obviously, the two favorites, Ohio State and Georgia. I know, I know, you hate Ohio State. You're a Michigan guy, but well, I want. Can... I just, I want to know. I mean, I, I don't. I know you guys got to get to break, but why do you? Are you just discounting Michigan? Like, what has Ohio State? Ohio State goes to Northwestern. And don't give me the bullshit excuse about, oh, it was windy. It was raining. They've got a stable of running backs that they could turn to, yet they 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 still throw the ball 26 times? Are you kidding me? Travion Henderson didn't do anything until the late in that game, I think. And then they got right. hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I just I I love pissing off Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll look for your your text for uh, November twenty four, two days before that. Oh, I'm gonna tell him. I'm gonna tell Speedy to get you on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah let's go. Hey, maybe at that time he'll be the head coach of the Detroit Lions. Though, so. <laughs> yeah, I have to get for my PR at that time. 
Hopefully, Dan Snyder is also gone from the team by then, too. Uh, yeah, you maybe you'll take over for Jeff Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, maybe you can, maybe maybe you can go by the you, could, you go uh, by the Washington Commanders, then you can also coach them too. Once yeah, Dan Snyder's yeah. gone, well, finally forced out. The irony of Ursay uh, saying that the NFL had to force Snyder out. Like, are you kidding me? And then he goes and hires Saturday. Hey, we're back where we started, aren't we? We're right back there. Oh, John, you are one piece of work. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Former NFL offensive tackle and current Michigan football radio broadcaster, John Jansen. Fantastic. Yes. Future head coach of the Detroit Lions. That's right. He's the Detroit guy. I'm going to root for him. I'm going to vote. I'm I'm going to reach out to Detroit after Campbell gets fired. I'm going to say John Jansen for that position. Anyways. Uh, fantastic interview. Uh, next up, when we come back, we'll be talking to Yankees, Westwood One, and MLS Next Pro Cup media personality, Drew Casey, here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number you are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. Remember, you can check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, which is Apple and Android, by searching us at WWSRN. John Jansen, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a Michigan fan and you hate Ohio State, you can listen to us. I'm just kidding, John. <laughs> He, I, I love, I love messing around with Michigan fans because for some reason they get really, really, uh, they get really personal when it comes to attacking Mich- the Michigan Wolverines. But I don't have any ill will against the Michigan Wolverines. I have a lot of respect for them, and I, I like Jim Harbaugh. I've always told yes. you I like Jim Harbaugh. But uh, our next guest, uh, a guy that we've never had on the show. Uh, a guy that uh, I've I've read a couple of his stuff, fantastic, and uh, he does so much great work right now in the industry. We are now talking to Yankees Westwood One and MLS Next Pro Cup media personality Drew Casey. Drew, what's up, man? Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Tough uh, tough act to follow with John. I'll try and add some color along the way. <laughs> well, listen, you you don't have to add any color. We we all know that your writing does enough of that. But uh, uh, <laughs> let me give you a quick story on John Jansen. I actually absolutely. used to produce a little bit and edit together some of uh, his Go Blue podcasts wow. with some Michigan stuff mm. and uh, keyword. Edit, you know, you had to. If it's going out over the air, um, John probably doesn't even, know, doesn't even know who I am. But uh, but I remember going through some of that stuff in recent years uh, from uh, from a production standpoint. We love but, him. Uh, He's fantastic. <laughs> he he comes on the show, and we always have a lot of fun with him. He loves coming on this show, and it's great because he's on. He 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 goes on so many different shows, and he always you know Speedy. When he reaches out to Speedy, he doesn't even question us. He wants to come on the show. He has a a ton of fun with us and. Uh, we have fun with him. That's that's a lot of things that we do, and and, and we we want. Is it, this isn't like the same old interview everybody else has. We, <laughs> you know, we like to bring out personalities and, and 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 everything that you know, and you bring out your writing, your stories, and everything that you've brought out personality wise. We want it. We want to get to know you for who you are, not for uh, anything different. You being on the radio or you writing a story that people don't like. You know, so I don't I, I, I think 
when you put something on paper, I, it's interesting when you bring it out to light when you're talking to that person that uh, you know wrote that story. So, so why don't we get into it? Because the New York Yankees have been the talk of the offseason. It, it's, it's really, it's really it, it all stems to Aaron Judge and Brian Cashman and, and obviously the press conference with Aaron Boone and Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman saying that it's not about winning, which it's always been about winning. I don't understand what Brian is saying. But again, this isn't the same George Steinbrenner Yankees. So, I mean, I've been saying this for two years. Drew, I, I, and I've said it, and Speedy can vouch for me. I said <laughs> that if Aaron Judge becomes a free agent, the Yankees don't re-sign him before his free agency, he will be gone. I believe he will leave. He will go to San Francisco. Before anybody brought up San Francisco, I, that was my pick. Speedy will tell you. I said he will go to San Francisco. That's where he's from. That's where his family is. And uh, he grew up a San Francisco 49 uh, fan. He was a 49 fan, but a San yeah, Francisco too, right? Giants fan. And... He was a Boston Red Sox fan, and now you hear Boston's interested in, in 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 coming right in and swooping him away from the Yankees. Are you thinking that uh, that's where Aaron Judge is more unlikely going? Look, at the beginning of the season, when he was not signed, resigned, I would have said my, anyone's best guess. As the season went on, it looked less and less likely. Things happened. But all of the... Uh, attention and love that he got for that home run chase was just unbelievable as it should have been. Right. So as that's going on, you're thinking, okay, how, how could he leave? But then at the end of the day, it goes back to the same situation, wherever he wants to go. He has a lot of relationships, a lot of friendships with a lot of the guys close in the locker room, notably Stanton and some of the other younger guys that, he came up with. I mean, they're not necessarily young guys anymore because you get the conversation. Well, should judge get, should judge get an eight year or a nine year deal from the Yankees? Probably not going to get it from the Yankees. Will he get it from somewhere else? Maybe the big number, big number and big decision is going to be where does he want to go? He he's almost has a blank check and can go just about wherever he wants. Uh, and, and it's so critical. I mean, he's the first shoe to drop. And, and I just wonder, you know, when will he sign? kind of use the NBA analogy with mm-hmm. Kevin Durant last year, <laughs> what was happening with him. And then NBA free agency got all out of whack. Yeah. Will the same thing happen here? I don't know. I personally think he will sign somewhere. Hope it's the Yankees. <laughs> Everyone does. Um, I think he'll sign in the next week, week or two. I don't really think he's gonna waste. I don't That's think he's going to waste too huh? much time. That's yeah. I think fast. it'll be pretty quick. Before I get to my question, I want to say uh, congratulations. I know you just got married as well. And oh, congratulations, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, three weeks ago. It's uh, how long? How how long you've been go. dating your girl? Uh, let's see how long with the <laughs> pandemic. It's hard to remember all these things. Uh, you know what? Actually, you just reminded me because I just looked at the calendar. November 9th is actually the anniversary of our first date five years ago. So uh, I should make sure I uh, yes. tell her that when I see her she, when she gets home from work later. You, you definitely better. She'll <laughs> cut your head off. <laughs> there you go. You mentioned it on air. We have proof. Thank you. Well, thank you for the reminder. I've been with my girl for about five and a half years, and I don't remember when when, when we first started dating. So, 
I yeah. I kind of predict, you know, where predict. where we, okay. Yeah. You might want to get on that maybe. <laughs> maybe like look back at some credit card receipts or or something from if if they go back that far. Uh, she'll probably cut my throat before I <laughs> before that happens. So So my question uh, is about the Aaron Judge contract itself. Like do you think it's going to be more of a lengthy contract like an 8-year deal or do you think maybe he could take less years, maybe like a 5-year deal and go for something like a 50-55 million per year and be the highest paid player annual value? That's a great question. Um, I I think it's going to be again, kind of depend where where you go. Big market. I don't think it's going to be as long a number of years, but it would be a higher annual value. Personally, I think he is going to take a big market deal because if he goes to, I mean, teams that no one's talked about, that goes to Baltimore mm-hmm. or he goes to. Texas, I don't know. You know, no one's going to. He's not going to have the much as much pull. It's mm-hmm. kind of the Mike Trout situation in LA. Like, I don't see him going to LA. San Francisco, maybe. Oakland, no. <laughs> but um, I would say that I, I think he's going to sign a six to somewhere in the middle, six to seven years, fifty, forty-five, fifty, somewhere in there. If he can get that, I think he would. I think he would go for it. Mm. We are talking to Yankees Westwood One and MLS Next Pro Cup media personality Drew Casey. You know, we look at the Yankees right now, and there's a lot of what ifs. You know, coming off this season, what if their bullpen was healthy? What if uh, Garrett Cole didn't give up so many home runs in the regular season? But he he was good in the playoffs. There's nothing to attack Garrett Cole in the playoffs. He was the only pitcher besides uh, Nestor Cortez. Um, really, there was a lot of what-ifs going into the playoffs and then the Astros being as hot as they were going into the playoffs and the talented pitching and everything like that. Do you think that after this season, the Astros winning the World Series, that this is such an important offseason for the Yankees to rebuild, retool this team, either sign players or bring up their young players and build around a core as soon as possible, just like the Astros have done year in and year out for the last 10, 12 years. Do you think that this is an offseason that the Yankees have to think about doing? I think it is because you take a look at what's happened over the course of the last you know, five years or so is the team is, is very, very good. You know, any other fan base or most any other fan base would kill to be almost in the ALCS every year. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point almost becomes in the fan base in New York, everybody knows that uh, it's loud. It's the hardest place to play, et cetera, et cetera. But you look at the numbers this year, frankly, I mean, the pitching was, was fine. Fantastic in the playoffs. Even you could say, I mean, Mm -hmm. they pitched like three ERA as a team and like you said, Cole and Cortez were, were solid. Everyone else really was solid too. But the Yankees, amongst anybody who made it out of the first uh, set of wild card series, had the lowest team batting average of anybody. I know people don't talk about average and all that, but they hit 173 as a team in the playoffs. Mm. It's not gonna. The fact that they got to the ALCS with that is, um, you know, with the testament to their pitching and that they they found ways to win really all year long. But something in there needs to to find a way it's a small sample size but the playoffs are always a small sample size it comes down to those big moments you need a mix of of youth you need that veteran leadership to you know they've been there done that um, but at a certain point also where do you go for their those players that have been there done that this is not the core four where they've year after year after year and that's a long time ago and a lot of people think that so i think it's got to be a mix i mean i would like to see ben and come back we got 
bits and pieces of him. It was a couple of weeks only with the injury and late season coming over. I think he could be a good piece for them, especially in left field. Harrison Bader was fantastic in the playoffs. He was by far the best Yankees hitter in the playoffs. He'll be but again, next year. Small, small yeah. sample sizes. So I do want to see guys like Volpe, Barraza, Cabrera get chances. But naturally, they're all shortstops. Mm. So that's a good problem to have. They're not all third baseman only or don't forget about Dominguez don't forget about him is he ready this year we'll see I mean Hmm. that would be the move I think maybe to to go back to your point if it was kind of an Astros mentality I Hmm. think there'd be more talk of Dominguez hey we're going to see Dominguez in June Hmm. or May or Hmm. April if Hmm. if he has a fantastic spring training right uh I don't know I I don't foresee him on the opening day roster Hmm. and I think many people don't foresee him at all next year but um if they want to use homegrown players which they've you know done in bits and pieces and they've worked then we need to see we need to see dominguez in june can't see him in august or september that that's not fair to anybody Hmm. so i was gonna ask about the other problem they had was major strikeouts even though you were talking about the batting average being the biggest thing strikeouts not even being able to move the base runners put the ball in play another big issue for them even with their top players so do you think that's an identity issue do you think it's something that maybe teams have figured out with these yankees hitters and how do, you, how do you combat that kind of thing? Because they changed hitting coaches. It still didn't really make a difference. So what do you think should be the approach for the, either the front office or these players to be able to fix that problem? Yeah, I mean, you hear the story around baseball. Like baseball's at a crossroads with analytics and um, you know the, the old school way of playing baseball. And the Yankees kind of have a little bit of, of both of those tenants in their roster. Like the, the whole power hitters, the, the Rizzos, if he's back, Stanton, Judge, you know, they're going up there, especially when there's you know, not two strikes to try and hit a home run, 40, 50 year or 62 like Judge. I think Anthony Rizzo is the embodiment of the player that the Yankees really need. Uh, the little things that with two strikes, you see him choking up on the bat that nobody does and he puts the ball in play. Are there other players on this roster that do that? Not too many when LeMay, he was healthy. But by the same token, there's not that many players in all of baseball that do that. So I, I think it's it's part partially a, a baseball as a whole type of situation and there are still certain clubs and certain players that in contract years trying to you know make the the big the big hit in those moments where it just hasn't worked and i mean it's as simple as that and anyone will, will admit to that when you're playing in a four game series best of seven which unfortunately was that four game alcs mm-hmm. if you go over seven with six strikeouts that's all everybody remembers not your red hot august and that's been just something they have not been able to get over the hump for. And amongst the fan base, uh, it's frustrating because they, you know, they go to a game in July and August. Granted, the competition is not the Astros every day or it's not the Indians or excuse me, the, the, the Guardians. Um, but it's 12 to one. You're hitting four home runs. That's not how it works in the playoffs. And the Astros have been able. That's been the biggest difference. I mean, the teams on paper are very even, but. In the playoffs, they've been able to perform like they do on paper, and the Yankees have have struggled uh, to do so. They haven't gotten that clutch hit, and we've talked about injuries a little bit too, but but they don't make excuses, and and that's all those are. Well, uh, you know, Aaron Boone made a couple of excuses. He did, yes. <laughs> but, I mean, first he wants them to open up the top, then he doesn't want them to open up the top, the wind, the this. Uh, it, it's ridiculous. But uh, I, I am an Aaron Boone supporter. 
I don't know why Yankee fans want to throw him out. This guy in five years has won more games than any manager in Major League history. So you you could say whatever you want. We we were just talking about we were just talking about Jeff Saturday. This is a guy that has no coaching experience, no management experience. He was an analyst and he was working with Alex Rodriguez. Okay. <laughs> and he gets a coaching job over Joe Girardi, who, by the way, bombed. Thompson takes over and takes his team, the same Philadelphia Phillies team, all the way to the World Series and was two games away from winning the World Series. So that I don't think you'll see Joe Girardi as a head, head manager for a while or maybe never again. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, Aaron Boone, they trust, and they, they trust his ability uh, to push the right envelope on on where these this team is and, and what this team's all about. And and everybody, you heard Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge says he wouldn't have had the season he had this year without Aaron Boone as his manager. So he he preaches so high so so much high praise of of Aaron Boone, and so does Hal Steinbrenner. Loves him. He said if Brian Cashman's gone, I'm still keeping Aaron Boone. So it's it's crazy. I I think Aaron needs to win next year. If he doesn't win next year. He'll be looking for a new job. I do believe that. How about you? What are your thoughts to Aaron Boone? Do you think Aaron Boone is on the hot seat going into this offseason? Amongst the fan base, I would say yes, always mm-hmm. is the case. But but to the points you just made there, I mean, you mentioned all the numbers, the wins, the most in five years as a manager. Really, it's the relationships and, and a, the, the, what you mentioned with Judge. It's everybody. He's able to do a fantastic job of – a lot of people think that – you know, Brian Cashman is the manager. The analytics are the manager. Well, they have all that information. And when it doesn't go right, it's so easy for everyone. And the, the headline is another year of the of whatever you want to call it not working. <laughs> but he is able to work through all of that. And does he always make the right decision? No, but no one does. Mm. So they trust him. That's the biggest thing. Um, the front office trusts him. Ownership trusts him. Uh, everyone in the locker room trusts him i mean that the chapman situation could have gotten really out of hand in the postseason and maybe some people thought it did but but they quieted that and aaron boone's you know statement to to the media and everybody was i told him to stay home (laughs) and that was that so you want to win right you always want to win it's yankee land you're looking for that 28th world series championship they're not finishing 60 and 102 but they're not winning 110 games or 120 games, and they're ultimately not winning a World Series. So I don't think he's on the hot seat. But like you said, if they don't win, if the same thing happens next year, um, or they don't even get to the ALCS, or they don't make the playoffs, something like that, then then yeah, I, I think I think people will realize. But a lot also depends on what this roster looks like. I mean, this roster could look drastically different. Um, how healthy is DJ LeMahieu next year? What does the pitching look like after? Does Cortez have another year like he did? That's going to be really, really difficult. Garrett Cole should be solid, but is he going to be a, a Jacob DeGrom level where he, the team wins 25 of his starts out of the 32 he makes? Right. It's just so many unknowns. But I don't think – and I mean the affirmation that he got after the season now, he's, he's, not, at the, he's not on the hot seat going in. I wouldn't say, say that. Unfortunately, as a Mets fan, I could actually say that they uh, Jacob Degrom does not win twenty five of thirty two starts. Yeah, the well, Mets, the that's Mets true. Give him but, runs. but many of those are two one losses, right? Yeah, the Mets don't I give mean... him runs, so he's they're stuck with like twelve wins and ten no decisions, and then like six <laughs> yep. losses in his starts. All right, yep. so my question is uh, obviously 
a lot of things have the regard around whether Brian Cashman's coming back, but trades. Like, is there any trades that you could see being a possibility for the Yankees in the offseason, being that they lose a lot of free agents, too? Is there any guys that maybe are on last year's or their deals, pitchers they could trade for? Because the Yankees are very active with that kind of thing. Do you see that kind of thing somewhere in this offseason? I mean, I see something like that happening, but it's always so difficult um, to predict. So, I mean, the Harrison Bader for Jordan Montgomery trade, take that for an example. Fantastic for first, trade for the Yankees, by the way. For the first four weeks of that trade, <laughs> you probably wouldn't have said that. Nobody was saying that because Jordan Montgomery uh, was perfecto out there. No, go for what, what, what were you? Were you not saying that? Uh, no, I was not. Actually, okay. me and Speedy over here were the only ones sticking up for Brian Cashman with the trade. I okay. said – I said I like Jordan Montgomery, and I was upset that Jordan Montgomery, because he's been really the Yankees' best playoff pitcher over the last three years. If you look at his numbers, he's got better numbers than Garrett Cole and everybody else. But Bader is a guy that is is a is a is a guy that Brian Cashman finds, and he says, "Okay, I I like this guy. I think he could play defense in center field." Which, by the way, uh. Hicks can't anymore for some reason. Uh, they need a guy that can be a shutdown defensive player, and they need a guy that can hit in the clutch. And Bader, even though last year he wasn't a great hitter, I mean, if you look at his numbers and what he could do well, stealing bases, stuff that the Yankees don't do well, he fit everything the Yankees were looking for. Did anybody think he was going to hit four or five home runs in the playoffs? I did not believe that. But again, I don't question Brian Cashman when it comes to looking for players. I question him on what he does looking for starting pitching because he has been horrible at doing that. But everything else, Brian Cashman is a genius. I don't care what anybody says. The man has the right scouts. They know what they're doing when it comes to finding players. Yeah, and you talk about starting pitching too. I mean, I'm interested in notably a couple of guys. So mm-hmm. Luis Heel is going to come back mm-hmm. from uh, – Tommy John, I believe it was, mm-hmm. uh, at some point during, I think it's May or June. And uh, David Garcia. Of course. What is he going to look like? We saw him two years ago the, mm-hmm. and also during the, the pandemic year with the closed stadiums and all. Is he going to be ready to be a 4A, 4B starter? That's not an option. They need somebody else other than that because they probably lose Tyone. Mm-hmm. Um, would the Yankees like to re-sign? I think that would be a good signing to re-sign Tyone. I don't think he's he's going to though personally but we'll see um those small market deals not small market but those deals we're talking about the Bader for Montgomery where it's coming from no idea mm. will it come i most likely and i think it'd be a good move a lot of the talk out there is oh well you can do Otani and Trout for Donaldson and uh <laughs> Connor Falefa and DJ and i'm like hey, what are we doing hey, here? No, even, front office, even if anybody's going to take that deal it's not a, i don't think it's a good deal <laughs> At that point, it's just like uh, you see those things. I don't think there's a blockbuster, Mm. but I do think there's some smaller trades out there that we'll see. And you might scratch your head out a little bit. Will every one of them work out? No, most likely not. I mean, everyone around the Yankee hopes they do. But 80 percent of them, almost almost 85, if you look at every Cashman trade in this situation, have been a net positive. Mm. But. Again, you can talk about all this and all that. If they don't win it in November or late October, 
we have the same conversation. Drew, I will say this, and and I know a lot of Yankee fans just want to plunge off the building after Houston wins a World Series, and they can't. I can't stand them. Not because they won, because they're a cheating organization. And everybody's going to say, well, the Yankees have been caught cheating too. But not the way Houston won yeah, that different. World Series. It's a different. It's a different. Wait, different's not even the right word. Yeah, and, and the fact that this organization has cheated once, I believe they'll cheat over and over again if they could. But and I, I, I love Carlos Correa and what he said about that. By the way, and that's why I don't want him on this team. I don't want him with the Yankees, and I could see the Yankees bringing him in. Just he's that type of player the Yankees could bring in. He's a good playoff player. He's a right-handed hitter. He hits over those porch, the, you know, right the what is it, right field porch or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's the perfect fit for the Yankees when it comes to power. So I, I don't want him there. But if they want to bring him in, that's Brian Cashman's thing. What I, what I'm worried about with this team is in the beginning of the season, they had the best bullpen in baseball. They, it was, Michael King was so underrated, and people were like, oh, well, this bullpen's really, really good, and everybody forgets how good Michael King was. Now he's been out for a significant amount of time. He did not have surgery this offseason, which I understand. You don't want to have UCL surgery because then you're out for almost a year and a half. And But it's a significant injury when you're, you're – Breaking your elbow, what did he crack? He fractured his elbow, whatever the heck it was. It was ugly. Yes, it was ugly, and and he's he he will be back this year. This bullpen, and I, it was really glued together. They were missing seven guys in the in the playoffs, and this was the best bullpen in baseball going into the second half. They were not even close. A matter of fact, numbers would show that in the second half, the Yankees had one of the worst bullpens in baseball. Are you surprised that they went from the number one bullpen by far to one of the worst bullpens in baseball in the second half because of one player? I wouldn't say it was necessarily because of one player. I mean, everything has a trickle down effect after mm-hmm. that. So right, so so Clay Holmes w- was out for a bit. Chad Green, um, mm-hmm. Chad Green. Well, I wouldn't even say Chad Green uh, too much. Uh, Ron Marinaccio missed a couple of weeks or close mm-hmm. to a month. Mm-hmm. He had a fantastic season. Uh, Albert Abreu kind of fell off. He came in start. That was a, you know, get him back type of move. Uh, Chapman. I think that's a big one. I mean, oh, God, that unfortunately, uh, just, just lost it. No, um, he just wants, sometimes happens with he just wants to tattoo his leg. That's what he wants. to. Well, do. there's yeah. other things too. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> you, 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 you get one injury, then a second, and then everyone else is in a higher leverage role. Mm. And then you've got, you know, they, they, for Efros and Trevino that they got in trades, they did you know admirable jobs, mm-hmm. but I think everyone expected them coming over where they were doing very well at their respective places in Oakland and Chicago. It's going to be different, especially when you're at, at certain times they were the guy because, mm-hmm. like you said, five, six, seven guys were out. Loizaga was out for a while. Uh, Zach, we're forgetting about Zach Britton. He mm-hmm. was you know out almost for the entire season, came back and then out again. So. That's a lot to withstand. Um, They had the one move that was looking back. You didn't know everyone was going to get hurt. But losing J.P. Sears, I think, was a a tough one Mm. for them in light of what happened after. In the moment, it makes sense. But when all those injuries come and compound, and when guys just start, you know, they're not 
throwing to 1.5 ERAs. They're throwing to 3.5. That's a big difference, too. Do you think Frankie Montez was as bad as he was? Do you think that the Yankees brought him in unhealthy? Because I do. I think he was never healthy when he came to the Yankees. And I think the Yankees got caught up because of the whole situation with Castillo going to um, Seattle and then signing that contract. Which, uh, if the Yankees had Castillo, the Yankees win the World Series. I, I believe that. Because... Having yeah. two dominant pitchers go back to back and then have Nestor Cortez, I, I I don't believe Houston would have been yeah. able to withstand that pitching power that the Yankees had. I think the Yankees made a mistake. I think Brian Cash made a mistake, but he didn't want to trade Volpe, Pereza, or Dominguez. They wanted all three of them in the trade to get him. And and then you you like you said, JP, they lost Sears and 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 their top you know three of their top. 10 pitching prospects in a trade. Frankie Montez was uh, a Cy Young candidate about a year ago, and he just didn't look good this year. And and then then you hear he had shoulder problems, and he just didn't look good. And and I don't think it has anything to do with Oakland. What are your thoughts? Do you think Frankie Montez uh, having having a full season with the Yankees going into the offseason, do you think he'll be much better when the season starts? I think he'll be better. Uh, I mean, he he was noticeably, let's call it different mm. than what he did in Oakland. Two things, though. One, in Oakland. Mm. And sentence there. Um, and two, injury, dealing with some uh, some personal uh, uh, grief in the family as well. It yeah. was a really tough situation for Montas to come over across the country and be expected to perform right away. And And he said in various times after some of his starts that he just didn't have it. He couldn't figure it out. Why some, some shoulder soreness, tenderness, et cetera. And again, with, with not a lot of help in the bullpen, like we just talked about because of all those injuries, more pressure is on. You try and make that extra pitch doesn't go your way. It can really spitball. And unfortunately uh, that's what it looked like um, from, you know, from anyone watching. So I think he'll be better next year. Much better. We'll have to wait and see. So I know you cover uh, three different sp- uh, sports outlets. You do the Yankees, you do MLS, and uh, I'm with Westwood One. Um, you have any particular moment, moment, momentous games that you got to cover with the Yankees and also in soccer? A favorite, if you had to pick. Um. So the the biggest of or the most unique event that I saw with the Yankees, and uh, this is crazy. It, it, saying this, but it's the only time I've ever seen one in person was earlier this year in the regular season when the Astros no hit them in the regular season at Yankee mm. stadium. Mm. I mean, it's just a moment, um, not a happy moment, but mm. that was pretty cool to see the, the combined no hitter, uh, soccer wise. I do a lot of stuff with MLS's, uh, partner league, MLS next pro. So the league that, uh, functions, to allow players who are not MLS contracted players to play and some bench guys in the MLS to play as well. Um, just, just seeing some of the, I don't think you can call it momentous now because none of these guys have made it yet, but there's a lot of young talent in this country. Mm. Not that we won't see in this world cup, but in four years, I think there'll be a couple of guys that I had, I've called some games for over the last years or like over this past season that we'll see there. So, uh, We'll just have to wait and see there. But, I can't uh, wait. Yeah. I can't wait. I, I, I've always wanted to see United States hockey on on top of the world. I don't think it ever will be because of Brazil and Argentina. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the World Cup. I was going to the World Cup to Qatar, and then um, my girlfriend has to have surgery. There's so much oh. going on. So 
I, I decided that I'm not going to Qatar. It, it would have been a great uh, opportunity. And, and after watching that real sports thing, they did a, like a documentary. on uh, It's disgusting what they're doing over there. People are dying building the stadiums, and it, it's just disgraceful. And the ML, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, FIFA should be sued. They should actually open up their pockets. I heard FIFA is going to make about $5 billion. Wow. Uh, at, at the World Cup this year, and they don't want to even donate any money to the families that lost people building this unbelievable, uh, you know, extravaganza. It, it's just mm-hmm. disgusting, and I, I think FIFA needs to open up their eyes and realize this is. It's, I know it's all about money. That's the way organizations work, and they're the biggest organization in the world. But to do stuff that we have seen them over and over and over again do, and kind of throw it under the bus or throw it under the rug like it never even existed, is despicable. Who do you got winning the World Cup this year? Oh man, I mean it's it's unfortunately I'd love to say the U.S. is going to win. I, I think they'll <laughs> uh, they'll uh, do better than people think, but I think we all know that probably won't happen. Yeah. Um, you know, people. I always feel like this is an impossible thing mm. to predict. Of course. Right. I mean, your groups, you get in, see what happens. PKs are probably involved at some point, but don't tell England. Uh, uh, yeah. That's they, true. They're going to stunt. A lot of people believe they're going to stink this year. A lot I of mean, people. It, that game against the U S mm-hmm. uh, I think it's the day after Thanksgiving in group. Mm-hmm. If that game is a result for either team, I, I think the loser might be in danger of, of not advancing, mm-hmm. which would be, a monumental disappointment just right. to put it that way for wherever you you lean. But um, I, I mean, I can, it's hard for me to always t- to move away from Brazil and Germany. They're just always just, that's so who potent. I think is going to win Germany. Um, I think Germany is going to win. Yeah. They're always just so good. So um, yeah. I would lean those two in the final and then a toss up. Mm. And, and any team that you think is going to be like high hype, that's going to be a disappointment. Um, England. Everybody, everybody keeps saying England. I, I don't want to. I think that it's not a sure thing. The the U.S. makes it to the knockout round. Very good. That's that'll be cool. Um, I mean, if they lose to England, you have no mar, very little to no margin for error, and you're going to already know one game in to that point. So mm-hmm. the opener is huge. If if they struggle there, we'll mm-hmm. see. But uh, no, I don't really have any. I mean, it's so. Yeah, it's, it's so different. November window is, I feel like, is different than hey, the traditional setting as well. If they get lucky and they get hot, the U.S. can get to the semifinals. Why not? I mean, yeah, it's soccer. I yeah, mean, I did a game, yeah. college game the other day. Seven seed they beats just, the one seed. They like, need, they need that player. They every one of these teams have that player that every. And I remember over the years it was Landing Don, Donovan. Donovan was the guy. I mean, for years MLS he was a star, and but for Team USA the guy was the face of United States soccer. And unfortunately, even with Landing Donovan and, and even those good USA teams, they didn't. Have that guy that says, "Oh, this guy is world renowned." That's the David Beckham of the United States. That's the guy. They don't have that guy, and until one of those guys show up where he is a top five player in the world, nobody's going to. He's not a Messi. He's not a Ronaldo. I watch. So- I watch soccer. I'm not a huge soccer fan, but if somebody comes to me and tries to throw me a curveball and tell me oh, you don't know anything about soccer or <laughs> European football, I said uh, I know a lot more than you think. Okay, you got but, something. You're not yeah. just the uh, the no. token Liverpool fan. No, I'm 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 a sports fan, <laughs> and I'm not a. If the one thing you can know, you'll know about me is my knowledge of understanding all different sports, 
and, and, and listening to people because there are people out there that they talk to, they speak to you and they say, hey, yeah, what do you know about this? And I follow, I, I, I checked out the documentary of Ronaldo and Messi and, and uh, um, Neymar, who I, I've, I've always liked Neymar. I, I like him as a player. I think he's a cocky kid uh, or a cocky man now. And, but the story behind him, he came from nothing. And, 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 and the amazing thing about him is, is what he's transitioned as a player, as a soccer player for Brazilian football is, is fantastic. And, and he is one of the faces of the new millennium of, of you know, football for Brazil. So um, is there a particular player that you follow? Is there a particular player that you root for? Not really. No, I mean, when these national national tournaments i'm gonna i'm gonna root for the u.s just yeah. to, to follow them but i don't really have uh sometimes it's tough when you're working and covering to yeah to let that fandom show of course um, in so many sports so mm. i would say for for this upcoming world cup no not not really mm. but uh it should be exciting it should be a display over the holidays little interesting <laughs> a little different um mm. but like you said earlier it's going to be uh let's call it interesting mm. how the situation develops uh on the ground there and what you know, that's weird because it's their summer too. So it's like yeah. it's like going to be like 110 degrees. Yep. One of those games, yeah, so, so it's probably bodes better for a lot of the South American and African nations that are more I used just to want that. I, I want somebody to do. I want real sports to do a story about this with FIFA. FIFA needs to be responsible for all these deaths. There are there are I think there were like I, I think 150 deaths on building. Wow, it, it, it's it's crazy, and these families yeah, are not covered. They're and and. And obviously, these are the husbands, you know, the man of the house, the ones that are supporting the family. And to lose that because they're trying to build a stadium for, for an event that, what, last two weeks? It, yeah. It's just disgusting. And I, I heard, you know, I was going to go and my friends, they're crazy and they all want to do they, – they, what do they want to do? They want uh, what is jet skiing with like Lamborghinis? They have it over there in uh, over there on wow. the water that wow. you can drive a Lambo on the water. I was like, get the hell out of here! But you, you hear the story; it's like eight hundred dollars for an hour to rent out one of those Lamborghinis to go on the water with. It's crazy. That's an interesting. Fusion. Yeah, man. Lamborghini jet skis. Yeah, they have wow. Lamborghinis. Wow. Uh, they have all different cars. That you, yeah, why don't they have this in America? I, I'll be trying that. I mean. Like, <laughs> I would never drive a car again. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look this up later. Yeah. Exactly how that works. Check, check that out. I mean, you missed your chance to do Lamborghini, Lamborghini jet skiing for your honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I did. I did. You're, there, it, there, there are there, there, they do it in Dubai, uh, Dubai, and that's where we were gonna go. We were gonna go from Dubai to um, Qatar, which is like 40 minutes away, 50 minutes away. So gotcha. yeah, so it's. Um, de- definitely unique. Definitely check it out. It's something uh, very unique. And we were going to do bungee jumping and all this other stuff, but unfortunately, sure. I got caught up, and I'm not going to be doing that this year, this time. But I definitely want to go to World Cup. Have you ever experienced a World Cup? I've not. No, not in person. Mm-hmm. Um, so likely when it comes comes here shortly thereafter in 26, uh, will be exciting wherever. I'd like to try and go to a couple different places. Yeah. Um, I live in Jersey, so. Uh, MetLife Stadium outside of New York City is is a natural fit to check out a game there. Of Jets a Giants but, fan. 
I'm a Jets guy. Oh, I'm a Jets guy. So I'm this is you like Look at this. fantastic, <laughs> fantastic season. Like it's I mean, the last five or six years. It's by this point, it's like, all right, well, what draft pick are we going to get? And like, and not, not even this point, like October 1st, not November, whatever, 9th or 10th, whatever it is today. It's like, I am shocked. Like I watched this team and I'm like, Wow, this is what it feels like to be not like we're be good. Like nine, to no, be we're good. not nine and zero. Oh. We have three losses, but yeah. it's just amazing. They should be seven and two, and they should uh, be. Yeah. and they'll they'll go to uh, uh, New England, and I I believe they're going to torture them at Foxborough. I I believe the Jets are they want that game back, and I think they're going to go in there and they're going to shut those New England fans up. For the first time that we have not seen in a very long. The last time we did that is in the playoffs when Bart Scott said, "Ah, what did he say? What was the famous line? Uh, I forget what the famous oh line God. was." Uh, but he, Bart Scott, and 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 I, Braylon Edwards and Santonio Holmes and Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan. I remember that team on the Danian Tomlinson. So uh, this is exciting for the Jeff fans, and I, I, I. I this isn't even the year. I believe this team is going to be good for years. And Joe Douglas, it don't matter where he drafts. He's going to draft somebody really, really good wherever they draft. So exciting. As a Jet fan, um, we, we spoke about it earlier. I, I think it's, you know, you see it in your face. You see it in all the Jet it's, fans. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. This is a great ride. And, and don't be surprised. If the Jets make the playoffs, nobody's going to want to play this team. This offensive line and this defensive line is for real. They're ferocious, and uh, they can run the ball. And what wins championships? The trenches and running the ball. And the Jets do that oh so well. So exciting. Exciting for the Jets. So anyways, my friend, thank you for joining us. We'll get you on again. Uh, Hopefully Aaron Judge stays with the Yankees, but if the Yankees have to spend $300 million, let him go. Because I would rather them wait another year and maybe go after, go a run after Soto or Otani. Go after one of those guys. If, if, they're, if you're going to spend the money, spend it on a guy that's younger where you can uh, have him a significant amount of time. Not a guy that you're going to overpay for the next four years and then he'll break down and be a, you know, an overpaid wannabe Yankee. And I'm not saying that to hurt any Aaron, Aaron Judge fans. I just, he's 31. I think you're in the minority. I mean, from a logical perspective, yeah. But I think the New York Yankee fan base locally will be upset. Yeah. Very upset. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's a tough, tough thing to weigh. And also, watch, he's gone. I'm telling you. Watch. Does he want to come back? I don't think he does. I I, I never thought that he, he understood the. The pressure it takes to to be here and and to win, and I, I I I just don't think they have the winning. They're winning, but they don't have the winning uh, mathematical equation right now. What the Yankees did in the '90s, they had timely hitting. They had guys like Derek Jeter that can hit for average. They don't have those guys. They need to find those guys, and maybe it's Volpe, maybe it's Pereza. Eventually, when he figures thing out, Dominguez, and I think they. The whole Dominguez thing was, I believe they believed that Dominguez was the guy that was going to fill in that Aaron Judge, a switch-hitting power hitter eventually. Uh, obviously, uh, some of these guys haven't worked out, uh, some of the guys in their, their farm system, but the Yankees still have a pretty good farm system, and and Brian Cashman has the best scouts in the world. So uh, I expect the Yankees to be just as good moving forward with or without Aaron Judge. So, And I'm sure you do too. 
No, I do. I do. I completely agree with you. I mean, they're, you look at guys who come up, certainly not everyone's going to work out, no. but all the names you just mentioned, if even two of those five or six names work out, of homegrown, course. fantastic. I think more than that work out. Mm-hmm. Um, Volpe's fantastic. Oh, he looks really good. In, yeah. in Somerset, double uh, A a couple times this year. Do you know Nithin? Do you know that? Do you know Nithin? This guy Nithin. goes around. He's Nithin. No, he's got that so. very deep Indian accent. You you know him. He's very small. He's he's always he he was there all summer long with Volpe. He's really befriended okay. befriended the Volpe <laughs> family. It's so funny. He, he's a friend of the show. He's he came to my awesome. birthday party. Funny kid. Funny kid. But you have to hear him when he interviews. He's the funniest <laughs> funniest person. I can't stop laughing when I when I listen to his interviews. So, I uh, he he's a good personality and shout out to Nathan. He's doing a great job, Nathan. I'm not making fun of you. I just think you're a funny dude. So, um, keep up the good work, man. Uh, we really love what you're doing. Uh, you're a rep for New York, and everything that you're doing is is great. And I, I want you to succeed. And uh, we'll have you on very very soon as well. We'll talk a little bit about this off season with you uh, when the Yankees actually make some moves. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate uh, appreciate uh, the time with you. Absolutely. Drew Casey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Yankees writer, uh, follows and, and, and obviously does his thing with the Yankees. Westwood won. By the way, Dan Schwartzman, my guy, trained me, one of my, my, my mentors. He works for Westwood One. I think he works for Bloomberg now. But uh, fantastic. He's doing great things, too. MLS uh, Pro Cup media personality, Drew Casey. Fantastic. Really by, is. By the way, the, uh, the, the Bart Scott, uh, they'll, they'll feel great poetic justice. And then there's a bunch of, like, swear words after that in that interview. Yeah, he's <laughs> – Bart Scott is known for that <laughs> interview. Fantastic. Right yeah, and now he's an analyst. Yeah. He's uh, whatever for ESPN. But I, I love Bart. I love his personality. I just think he needs to – you know, do his research when he talks a little hockey and he speaks a little bit about some of the don't things worry. he talks about. Don't, don't, worry, don't worry. Eric Coleman needs to do research when talking yeah. hockey, too. <laughs> yes. But by the way, Eric is doing a good job for MSG and the betting, the betting show. It, it's sports betting uh, weekly, which he's fantastic. He obviously is the face of that show. A uh, friend of our show did the show with me on 103.9 and, and Speedy. and um, nothing. I wish him nothing but the best. I really do. So shout out to him. Um, what are your thoughts with the Astros winning the World Series? Are you surprised? Uh, I I was surprised. I th- I picked Philly to win. Phillies to win everything. Um, I, I don't think the Philadelphia Phillies had enough pitching. I I, I think the bullpen problem, uh, in the later games of the World Series showed, uh, their weakness. Yeah. Um. Did you, do you think that was the reason why they lost? Yeah, I think eventually I knew Nola was going to be street, uh, going to be down because he's always been a streaky pitcher throughout his career. And in the World Series, both of his starts were lousy, and that was a big problem for the Phillies. Now, the Phillies overcame it in Game 1 with the comeback, but in Game 5 they couldn't do that. And they they needed another guy to step up in order to do that kind of thing because the, the way that's the way he's always been throughout his career. He has these big first halves and a fall off in the second or vice versa, and... And his consistency is never there. And same kind of thing with those other 
three, four, and five pitchers, too. Suarez was bad in the first half, great in the second half. Kyle Gibson, I've always liked. I always thought he was underrated, but, again, still hasn't put it all together this season. And then Noah Syndergaard, yeah, you know how I feel about that. But mm. still, yeah, they didn't have that second guy. And it was only He'll a matter of time. Yeah, and he, he was, again, it was only a matter of time, too, before that Astros late game hitting that we saw in previous series was going to take over. And it just happened to be in that game six. They finally got some hits off of Wheeler when Wheeler was feeling the fatigue. I don't blame Thompson for letting him go out in the sixth inning because he was still being pretty efficient for the most part. He would, he knew his velocity was down. So I, anyone, and there's a Phillies fan that's blaming Thompson for that. I, I don't disagree. I don't agree with that. I think Wheeler out there was the right move. He's it's protecting just, his player. Yeah. I think, I think that was the right move to do it in that spot. But I think the, the bullpen management after that, who they brought in was kind of surprising the sequencing after that. And I think that's what ended, ultimately ended up hurting the Phillies. In addition, to like the Yankees, you were saying about the Yankees, eventually they started striking out too much, too, and that was a big problem. They weren't really putting together the big innings like you saw in the first three games. Mm. Even game two that they lost, they were putting together runs in bunches, like Charlie Slows was saying last week. They didn't have those runs in bunches, obviously the no-hitter, but even after that, they didn't get the runs in bunches anymore. It was all a home run and then strikeouts after that. That was the second, uh, you know, Pitching staff no hitter they had this year one against the Yankees yep. and one against the Philadelphia Phillies. No, no, Syndergaard gets and away both one person. <laughs> and both of them were final four teams uh, going playing for possibly a World Series. It's yeah, crazy. and there's the Mets who did it, and they are not in the final four. No, well, but at least Noah Syndergaard to get to witness one in person against his team. Um, the hundred and two million dollar contract, uh, which makes uh, obviously Edwin Diaz the highest paid relief pitcher in Major League history, I am not surprised about this. I, I think Met fans, Edwin Diaz, pretty much threw the Mets a curveball at the end of the season. He pretty much said, "The Mets, the time is ticking, and if he goes to free agency, he will not be a Met." And so the Mets did not want free agency to open up after the playoffs that he becomes a free agent because there are teams probably lining up for him. He is he was the best relief besides the Cleveland Indians uh, relief pitcher, their closer. Class he, A. Yeah, Class A, who was the best I, in the second half. But Diaz was really throughout the whole season. He was the best relief pitcher in baseball. He was the best closer in baseball. Class A, it, it took him really the second half where he dominated. And, and Yeah, he was still good in the first yes. half, but yeah, not like lights no, out. No, he yeah. was lights out in the second yeah, half, right. and that's why uh, a lot of people thought that he was the best relief pitcher in baseball. But uh, does he deserve this money? Absolutely. I don't question anybody getting paid the money that they deserve. Um, the question is, could he do it back-to-back years? Right. Uh, that's something that he has not done as a New York Met. This was his best season. He had his best numbers as a Met. Uh, he did it in Seattle, and then he kind of fell apart after uh, obviously, obviously our uh, our friend um, Brody Van Wagen makes yep. the trade, and Met fans were trying to rush him out, push him out. Uh-huh. So, One of which that uh, that your friends with the Beeve wanted him to be sent down to the minor leagues in 2019. That's how much that people like the people like the Beeve Mets fans just wanted to run him out, trade him now, trade him. You're not going to get any value for him at that time. Wait it out. Was good in 2020, kept improving. 2021, his numbers didn't show he was great, but he was great in safe situations. He just was misused in too many non-safe situations. That's what hurt him. But as a true closer, you really saw his value finally go up in 2022. He 
went three months without blowing a save. Now, again, the closing position as a whole is very fluky as it is with a lot of these, especially fireballing type closers steaming out after four or five years. So the Mets are really banking on that kind of thing with getting him the five years to get him that extra money that he wants to stay there. And I think that's why they added the, that in there. And they also added a team opt-out for the three years, which when you look at Diaz's trajectory, that's a seven-year peak with the one bad year in 2019. That's probably about what a closer would end up getting anyway. So I think it works well for both parties. It's a lot of money for sure. It's Again, it's not something that's ideal for a closer, but again, he still has good stuff. He's been durable. Like There's a lot of good factors to it, too. And I think the team opt-out does give you the best-case scenario if he does steam out. So I, I know Met fans are going to sit here and they're going to after after this season, they want Brandon Nimmo. They want to bring back practically this whole team. But I I do believe the Mets need to re-up certain positions. And one thing they definitely have to look at in the offseason is adding to that rotation. That rotation is not good besides two pitches. And everybody keeps saying, well, Walker's good. And, and we know Scherzer will be half decent, even if he's not 100% healthy, now uh, moving on for the rest of his contract with the Mets. They have to re-sign Jacob deGrom. If they don't sign Jacob deGrom, it's a, a failure of an offseason. I don't care if he pitches 17 games this year. How about this? I don't care if he pitches 14 games this year. Without Jacob deGrom, and you don't have him for the playoffs, you don't have a chance. I, I, I just, to have a pitcher that good go to free agency like this and go somewhere else, if he goes to play for the Braves or he plays for yeah. Philadelphia or something like that, if he goes and plays with Wheeler and stuff, and that could happen. He's friends with Wheeler. He's very good friend. If they decide to sign Noah Syndergaard again, and they could, oh God. that could happen. <laughs> And have Wheeler and then have Jacob DeGrom to go over there to Philadelphia. I mean, that would be a catastrophical thing for the New York Mets. And Cohen should not let that happen. He is the best pitcher on the Mets. I don't want to hear about Max Scherzer, how much you love him. He Max Scherzer is fantastic. He's one of the great pitchers. He is not in the same realm when healthy as Jacob DeGrom. So I, I, I think Mets fans need to step back. I understand... You don't like the fact that this guy wants 50, 43, $44 million. He is better and younger than Max Scherzer. Do you understand that? He's 31. He'll be 32 this year. He still has at least three, four more good years of baseball. You're talking about the best pitcher in baseball for the last five years with no run support. Okay? So... To lose a player of this magnitude to free agency because Steve Cohen doesn't want to open up his pockets when he did it for Lindor, he did it for all these guys that weren't even homegrown players. This guy's a homegrown guy. It would be catastrophical. So stop it, man fans. Oh, I don't care if he's gone. I don't care if he's gone. Yeah, you do. Because you don't want him to go to the Yankees. You don't want him to go to these teams where... Especially not the Braves. The Braves, oh, Philadelphia, any of these teams in the same division as you, where you have to see him six times a year. Okay, so I'm just yeah. speaking the truth. And they're, they've got to better have a backup plan if they do, if, if it is hard. Because, again, I think DeGrom is in one of the more polarizing positions where... They're going to sign him. I think where you look at the injury that 
ended his season in 2021, and it looked like the Mets were trying to have him pitch again. He didn't want to pitch, or mm-hmm. vice versa. Was it the management? Was it uh, Luis Rojas? Was it the previous GMs that all had their own issues? That was besides the point. Or was it the executives? And how much trust does he have in that front office because of that? And also being the fact that Jacob deGrom kind of got underpaid on his last contract, kind of like what I was saying last week about Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler's contract that he signed with the Phillies looked pretty big at the time, and now it looks like a bargain. And that's the same kind of thing with deGrom. DeGrom, when Brody paid him, kind of essentially got underpaid. So will the Mets be able to owe that kind of either per annual value or be able to ha- owe him that kind of length and trust in that with the injury issues that he has? Because the Mets right now are going to have to, lo- they're losing a bunch of these other pitchers anyway. So they're going to have to do a lot of what they did last year, trade for guys that are on the last year of their contracts like they did with Bassett last year. And they need a couple of those other guys to make it work and then hopefully throw darts with the bullpen. And they're going to have to hope that if they're going to pay DeGrom, they're going to have to hope to get more gems that are probably less than $10 million a year with the rest of those types of guys. So they need a backup plan though if they do lose DeGrom and to make those kinds of trades. Otherwise, you're really trusting Max Scherzer to do a big workload and that's going to be a big problem too when you're in other Oh, the only other guy that's known definitively coming back is Carrasco just because he has the option, but you can't trust him to stay healthy either. So they need a plan. Um, we will get into the Emiya Doko thing tomorrow because we're, we're going to go through the games, uh, and we have about a half an hour to, to go through all the NFL games uh, and recap week nine. But uh, just to make a long story sh- a straight for all the fans, all the net fans, which they're kicking the you-know-what out of the Knicks right now, just tossing him around. And I, you look at Tom Thibodeau, who, by the way, lost a lot of weight this offseason. He really looks good. Uh, maybe it's just because of stress. <laughs> He's pulling his hair out so that there's less know. hair on his body. The only bright thing for the Knicks right now is Brunson. I mean, Jalen Brunson is everything we expected him to be as a point guard on this team. Besides that, there's nothing so far this season that really stands out to me. Why we didn't trade Grimes for obviously one of the better players in the NBA now when you sit back and look at it. They're not even playing Grimes, okay? Yeah. That's what he really... had foul trouble in the last game against the Sixers. I, I and then tonight it looks like he's barely played at all. And we didn't want to trade him. But they're tr- they're playing Obi Toppin, who's played very well, but he's not starting. Yeah, he should be playing more. He should be starting on this team. So uh I don't know what's going on with this team. I I, I think you you might see the last of Tom Thibodeau there. That's what I think. If this team doesn't make the playoffs, there oh, Tom yeah, Thibodeau's definitely. gone. But uh, it'll be interesting because I believe it's Kenny Atkinson who's going to take over this job. That would job. be nice. That's actually what I wanted at the time, ironically. I, I do. I think he knew about this, and I think he has a very good relationship with Rose. And I believe that he didn't take that Charlotte job, and everybody's questioning why he didn't take that Charlotte job. He doesn't want the Golden because State Because they're the job. kings of the Eastern Conference. Golden, he, <laughs> Curry's not leaving Golden State for at least another two, three years. No. He, why would he leave when he's winning? Okay, he'll leave when he starts to lose. They're winning. So, uh, and Steph Curry's still there. Klay Thompson's still there, and they still have the weapons that they have. And young and they're weapons. they're probably not going to trade Draymond Green from what we're hearing. No, so, they're so. not trading him either. So, they're, they're, they're the winning. I believe Kenny Atkinson's waiting for a job that he wants, and I, he's from here. He grew up a Knicks fan. Uh, he started with the Knicks. I believe that's where he's going. That's uh, that's my prediction. I said it with Tom Thibodeau, and I believe Kenny Atkinson will be the next head coach of the New York Knicks. Um, and we'll get into the Jock Vaughn thing, and I'll tell you why I don't like this move, but we'll see. 
I, it's better than Imadoko. <laughs> yeah, that's not saying much. Congratulations, guys. You made a small upgrade. Uh, yeah, I don't understand this, but whatever. <laughs> that's that's their problem. Um, you ready to go through the week recap of the NFL? Yep, here we go. Go ahead. All right. First, we we did the Thursday one on Thursday. So the Chargers, you were right about this one. They knock off the Falcons 20-17. to 17. Uh, still having trouble with their run defense. The Falcons were able to run for over 200 yards in this game, but the Chargers, without J.C. Jackson, were able to contain themselves against the pass, had a good game plan against the two top targets for Atlanta, and got some good pressure, which, without Joey Bosa, was hard for them in previous weeks. So good step up for the Chargers defensively. Offensively, it's really all Eckler or bust right now because of all the injuries for the Chargers. Herbert had a nice drive at the end, but mainly all Eckler. Um... Really, it was just defense versus defense. It wasn't a big offensive game. I, I didn't see anything that sparked my interest in this game, except in the fourth quarter when the game was, like, really neck-to-neck. Neck. Yeah. Um, Justin Herbert has not had a good season. And for everybody to think that he was an elite quarterback in his league, you might have to take a step back and, and see what he does this offseason and what this team does in the offseason if they fire their coach and if they bring a guy that actually knows what he's doing because uh, Justin Herbert is taking, from, from all the steps that we've seen him take forward and, and step forward, he has taken six steps back. So uh, that's all I could see right now of the Chargers, even though they're five and three. I don't think they're any good. Do you really think it's realistic that he could get fired, Staley? Because yes. five and three with all these injuries, I think it's pretty impressive. <laughs> no, I think he's going to be fired. Uh-huh. This team should be in the playoffs, and they might not make the playoffs. They're, they're still in a spot right now. It's yes. just a matter of if the Bengals will get down and get their. I am not. I don't even golf. think they're five and three good. So they're very lucky right now because of their. Really, the way their uh, their season has set up, the way it has. The, the, these teams that they're playing aren't that good. Falcons aren't good. They're decent. They're not good. Yeah, they're decent. Uh, Dolphins, 35-32 over the Chicago. The Bears. only big name, the big story is, is their wide receivers. Uh, Tua had over 300 and some yards and three touchdowns, but it's really this was Justin this Fields. This was Justin Fields, 178 rushing yards. Yeah, yeah, his coming out party. I, I think this is where I I believe it's going to transition. He I think he figures I think he figured the game out. I think he understands the type of player he needs to be in the NFL to succeed. Yeah, 178 rushing yards is the most in a single game for a, a quarterback. So mm-hmm. that's a pretty impressive feat to have. Uh, not much to talk about this one. The Bengals blow off the Panthers. Joe Mixon nope. finally goes uh, his five touchdowns and like matches season total. He's oh god, like most combined in the last Please. first six games. Uh, so I, I think the Bengals are one of the most overrated teams in the NFL. They're horrible, and if they play the Jets again, the Jets kill them. They run right over them. I I, I just. The good teams would run over the Bengals. I I don't even know what's going on with Joe Burrow. He's not the same quarterback he was either. So Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert have taken steps back. They're not the same quarterbacks. Yeah, Herbert looked like he was getting it going in the beginning of the season. Then Burrow kind of recently has had a couple of good yeah. games. But yeah, not, it's they're not both the, falling apart. It's not the same level of consistency no. either one. Now I don't think any of them have been like as bad as. No, like, I don't think they're bad. I just Stafford don't think they're elite. Those guys have been, but I don't they, think they're elites. Yeah, they, they're there's def- only two elite quarterbacks right now in the NFL. Two. Mm-hmm. There's only two, right? Mahomes and Allen. And Allen. Okay. That's it. Right. That's it. Uh, this was an odd one. Not one we, we expected. The Lions 15-9 against the Packers. Like, if we were thinking this was going to be a shootout, it turned out to be a low-scoring game with these two awful defenses somehow playing well. And it wasn't the running games that really did much either. It was like the opposite of everything we thought. And the Lions actually get a win finally. Three red zone interceptions from Aaron Rodgers. You don't see that every day. Mm. I don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, but I think it has a lot to do with the team and the talent around him. He did take $50 million a year 
that affected uh, their opportunities to bring in free agency, uh, free agents. And by the way, uh, they drafted so late in the first round, that's why they didn't get the wide receiver that they wanted. Uh, this year, they're going to be uh, able to get the wide receiver that they want because they're going to probably be drafting in the top 10, top 12. So there you go. Well, that is if they actually draft a wide receiver. That's another question. I, I think they, they need to. They they had that opportunity in 2019 as well when they were picking number 12. And granted, they've drafted a good player. Rashawn Gary has been a good player for them, but still. He's been fantastic. Still. He's he, been the only good bright side of that defense. Yeah, now he's out for the year. So. <laughs> Figure that one out. But yeah, they could have Alexander. Uh, yeah, but even, but even he had a tough time getting it going, too. But even so, they could have drafted a wide receiver that draft. Uh, DK Metcalf could have been Packer? No, no. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, Jaguars 27-20 to over the Raiders. Another blown double-digit lead for the Raiders. Uh, they were up 17-0 in the first half. Devontae Adams looked like he was going to have when a 300-yard game. When is Josh McDaniels going to be fired? Well, I mean, don't, tell the, uh, don't tell the fake Adam Schefter account that. <laughs> <laughs> the blue verified checkmark fake account said that Josh McDaniels was fired, and apparently uh, a lot of people fell for it. He should be fired. Oh, absolutely. No, nobody's disputing that he shouldn't be fired. He should have never been hired in the first He'll place. He'll be back with the Patriots by the end of this year. Yeah. I, I, I can't see Davis bringing him back. You have this, two, this talented offense, and your offense is, what, ranked 25th? 24th in the NFL. I think actually yardage-wise, they're like top five, but points That don't matter. No. Yeah, That don't matter. No. <laughs> you're talking about points. You're talking about wins. They're not winning. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, this team is stinks. They stink. Yeah. And uh, they need to rebuild. I, I think they should have never gotten rid of um, John Gruden. Uh, John Gruden. Okay. I mean, John Gruden should still be here. I understand the situation and, and things that he did. Those stories and those emails should have never gotten out. That has a lot to do with the NFL. But uh, this team stinks. Yeah. Okay. Oh, horrible. And Devontae Adams is probably wishing he never left Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Well, the Packers aren't really much better, but who knows? They're better than them. Yeah, they'd probably be 5-4 uh, and four with Devontae Adams. No, maybe. no. If they had Devontae Adams, I, I think the Packers. I don't know. Does that mess up their defense? Does that make up the, how bad matter. their defense has been, though? It doesn't matter because what it does is with Devontae Adams it opens up opportunities to, for them to run the ball their running game opens up everything it controls the clock they're a different team i think the packers have they're 6 and 3 right now not 3 and 6 okay so i think they're they're a borderline they they're one of the better teams in the nfc i i i don't know what's going on with them all right, well, not much to talk about this game besides the fact that uh, he got a coach fired. Uh, Frank Reich f- got fired for Jeff Saturday, like uh, John Jensen offens- was alluding to. Frank Reich will be the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills next year. Oh, I was actually thinking he's going to re- uh, somehow Doug Peterson will rehire him again in Jacksonville for something. He might, but yeah. I mean, some offensive coordinator gets a job. I think he, you know, I don't know. Yeah. There's so many things. Maybe it goes Andy Reid. Something happens. So you think so? You, so what you're thinking is Buffalo's OC Ken Dorsey will get hired as a head coach? I think so. Okay, because there's, there's definitely a lot of other rumored destinations for some of these offensive coordinators have been, I guess, either overdue or unknown. Dorsey's, I guess, one of the newer ones that definitely could. But yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. But yeah, Frank Reich fired now. Jeff Saturday. Buffalo the is the coach. best offense in football. And Dorsey is one of the reasons why. Yes, he has Allen. Yes, he has Diggs, and, and obviously Gabe Davis and the weapons that they have, but they're still the best offense in football. And Dorsey will definitely be one of the lead guys to get a job 
in the offseason. I think Frank Wright will go to Buffalo. That's where I think he goes. I, he will he will get a coaching job. I think he'll have to wait a couple of years. Uh, but I think he's a great offensive coordinator, and I think he has the ability uh, to help Josh Allen take that take it to that next step. So as an offensive offensive coordinator, I don't think he's a good head coach, but we've seen that before. Yeah. Uh, you're almost right about this one. You almost had this upset. The Minnesota Vikings, they barely yeah. squeak by the Commanders. They did not play well in this game. Nope. Very sloppy, especially defensively. A lot of penalties for the Vikings. And offensively, they got it going late. But, again, it took them a while. Their offensive line had a lot of trouble with that, that pass rush to Washington. And Washington's run defense has looked pretty good. But Minnesota's defense doing just enough to contain Antonio Gibson where they didn't really have that second guy in that offense. Yeah. I... Really, the Commanders gave the game away. Yeah. They were the better team. Uh, Henneke played better or just as good as Kirk Cousins. Henneke is going to keep this job for the rest of the season. I feel bad for Carson Wentz. I, I think Carson Wentz will be a backup quarterback in this league moving forward, uh, unfortunately. Uh, it's crazy what has happened to that kid. He was an MVP candidate four years ago. He hurt his knee. Uh, he was out for the season, tore his ACL, MCL, and everything like that. He, and then... Uh, Nick Foles takes him all the way to the Super Bowl to beat the Patriots. So uh, he's never been the same since then. So it's it's a shame, and nobody likes the guy. So. Just like Russell Wilson. Yeah. Nobody, nobody on the Seahawks. Don't get me likes, nobody yeah. on the Seahawks defense like Russell Wilson. Nobody else on the Colts like uh, Carson Wentz last year. Apparently, there's really no surprises this week. It really wasn't. Yeah, it was more of the uh, more of the types of games that were being played. Like yep. the, the the Rams and the Bucks are the next one. Like that was a. A weird, like, sloppy, low-scoring game, which is weird for this rivalry. Both That's... teams stink. Yeah. They stink. They don't have offensive lines. Uh, the The Buccaneers could get Jansen back sometime yes. in the next couple of weeks. If they do, that'll definitely help Tom Brady in that offensive line. So I think this could change everything for them. But it might be a little too late if that, if that happens, if they keep playing the way they are. And I don't think we've ever seen Tom Brady have an under 500 record in the ninth week of his career. So I don't yeah, think it's ever I don't, happened. I don't, remember, I don't remember anything worse than probably six and four or something like that this late in This the season. has been horrible for him, and uh, this might be the end of Thomas Brady. No, yeah, it's, a, it's already the end of his relationship. Now, now it'll be the end of his football career, too, coming up next. I feel if bad he, for the guy. If he, if he gets hit, but if he gets hit the way he's been getting hit with the two interior offensive linemen missing, that's a big problem for them. And uh, Todd Bowles is not helping the cause either. Oh, he's horrible. Yeah, he's not going to keep that job. And uh, speaking of the uh, speaking of the, not, the Russell Wilson, the Seattle Seahawks doing well without him again. Geno Smith, the dark horse MVP candidate, yeah. thirty-one to twenty-one. Fantastic! They come back and beat the Cardinals. They were down most of this game, and that wasn't Geno Smith's quarter. game. That was Kenneth Walker. That was Kenneth Walker's yeah. game, and the defense actually stepping up big. Actually, were able to stop. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the second half, I think, was a big difference in that game. It looked like Hopkins was looking like the receiver. He's been all season when he came back in the first half. Then all of a sudden, the Seahawks figured him out. And Kyler Murray, who's had a trouble adjusting without him so far, was never able to adjust. And the Cardinals, they got to get a run game going, too, because they have not found anything. Seattle's been a little down against the run for, from previous defenses, and the Cardinals were not able to take advantage. And that was a big difference in this game. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what more to say about this game besides uh, Kenneth Walker is a beast. He ran all over the Cardinals' defense. Uh, he embarrassed the Cardinals' defense. He made J.J. Watt look like he needed to retire at that day. So, 
at that game. So I, I don't know what's going on with the Cardinals. I thought they were going to be a good team. I'm not, I haven't even watched Hard Knocks. I don't even want to watch it. Why would I want to watch a losing team and Kingsbury and Kyler Murray just absolutely bomb this off se- this season in this offseason? I don't know what's going on with them. Kingsbury got a new contract. Kyle Murray got a new contract. And they are going to be moving forward with those guys next year. So embarrassing, embarrassing year right now for the Cardinals. Yes. All right. Sunday Night Football, a lot closer than a lot of people expected. The Chiefs hold on. They win it in overtime against the Titans 20-17. to We were talking about it earlier with Mike Rabel doing a great defensive job, and I think he really showed that in this game. They, they let Kelsey have his, but they really took away everything else, and they made Patrick Mahomes have to really think a lot of the first half and hold the ball longer than he expected, and that kept them in it. And Derrick Henry had his good first half, but the Chiefs were able to stop him when they needed to. And this is actually interesting with Malik Willis actually starting a quarterback I actually think that ended up helping them possess the ball longer because of the ball control. He ran the ball well and was able to extend very methodical plays, too. That kept the Titans in this game. I actually, even though he's not a better quarterback than Tannehill, I don't think they would have been in close to this game if Malik Willis hadn't started. Tannehill is going to be back after the bye week. Uh, I don't know what's up with them, but I'll tell you the reason why they won. Patrick Mahomes, 43 for 68. 446 t- yards, one touchdown, one interception. I mean, this guy, this team isn't, I don't think Kansas City is, they're one of the top two teams in the NFL. Yeah. They're beatable. They're they're a team that you can beat them. You, Titans figured that out. I think the Titans, if they play them in the playoffs again, maybe it, it, it's a different game. I, I think the Titans are going to be able to compete with them. I think a lot of teams that have defenses will be able to compete with them. They have to stop the great Patrick Mahomes. If they do that, they have a chance. And Patrick Mahomes ran the ball, too. Six carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown there. 10.5 average every time he touched the ball. So, I, I don't know. I, I think Kansas City is dangerous. Uh, do I think they're the Super Bowl favorites? No. So that's I, I would say they're one of the three, though. I, they're probably, not the favorites. Okay, so yeah, well, yeah, because people are still going to have Buffalo as the favorite, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I don't think they're the favorites out of the AFC. So. Uh-huh. All right, and then Monday Night Football, another team that's rising has one of those potential favorites: the Ravens, dominating against the Saints, twenty-seven to thirteen, over a hundred rushing yards for Lamar Jackson. Didn't have a lot of passing yards in this game, but didn't really need it the way he was running the ball in this game. And uh, we'll see if that leverages towards the Ravens actually trying to pay him for once. But they really needed it with all the injuries they had on their offense, too. Um, He's going to get a lot of money in the offseason, no matter where he goes. So there are not many teams that have franchise quarterbacks. They do. And if they don't figure this out, it's going to be a very harmful offseason for John Harbaugh, who could have no job if this team doesn't make the playoffs, and uh, a team that has a tremendous amount of talent defensively that can't find a way to win. So uh, they, they did win this game. I expected them to win this game. I called them for winning this game. So did you, Speedy. Yeah, I did. Uh, so uh, they're 6-3, and three, but they're a bad 6-3. and three. They're not the Jets. They're not Miami right now. I mean, they could very easily be 9-0. They just don't have to blow three double-digit leads. But... I just don't think they're, they're as good as those two teams have been in the last few weeks. And I, I think they're the worst 6-3 and three team right now in the NFL. Hmm. 
That's it. That's not. I, I mean, it's not bad to be six and three, but they're the worst one out of all the teams that are six and three. It's interesting. You brought up John Harbaugh's John security too. There was uh, Sean Payton uh, was on the Manning cast in the fourth quarter, and yeah. uh, he hinted at he's a free agent and Lamar Jackson's a free agent. Uh, maybe he wants to coach Lamar Jackson. Uh, maybe where's that going to be? Uh, wait, wait, yeah, that's a good question. Where would that be? And would Lamar Jackson be on board that's with where that? I, believe, I think he's going to the Chargers. Well, if he goes to the Chargers, obviously Lamar Jackson would be no, there. No, I, I think he goes to the Chargers. I think they fire Staley and bring him in. I think he makes them that much better in a contender. So, I mean, Sean Payton goes over to the Chargers with that talent? Forget it. Yeah. No, of course. They're so, Super Bowl contender. Oh, easily. Uh, but the, what are they going to have to give the Saints right. when he comes back? They're going to have to give him at least a first-round draft pick. Yeah, I mean, they don't, they're, they're, they don't they're, need it anyways. Yeah, they, they're a team that is built well, so I don't know if they'll need the draft picks. I think that's a risk worth draft taking. Pick. Only a first. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, whatever One. it would take if they do end up going with – that approach for going for the, I guess, I the bigger give, name coach? I give a one for him or I give a two and a four. Okay. That's what I would give and uh, keep my first round draft pick. Nevertheless, I think he would fit the best over there with Justin Herbert. So that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is our recap nine week for the NFL. Wonderful. Uh, I'd like to thank, obviously, John Jansen. He's fantastic. Yeah. Always fantastic. Future head coach of the Detroit Lions, right. John Jansen. And he'll hire us as his assistants. <laughs> Could you imagine us both? I mean, you'd be good at offensive corner, I think. I, I really do. You drawing up the, the plays and me just screaming at everybody and yelling at everybody. I think I would be good at that. Oh, good. You'll, you'll be the uh, Dan Campbell stunt double. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll be the defensive coordinator if he wants me to, but uh, I might be arrested by the end of the season. Yeah, don't, just don't, just don't I might be the choking. I might be choking out the other team's best players. <laughs> or my own players if they're not doing the things I asked them to do. Or, you'll just, or, oh, or, or, or if you're ever in a game as a, as a coach and you're playing against yeah. Spencer Radler, you'll just try to coach him any, uh, choke I, him out anyway. I, I do not want to coach that kid. So. <laughs> no, I said choke him. No, you want to choke no, him. No, I don't want to kill the kid. I, I just want him to leave me alone and, and, and stay away from me. I, I don't think the kid's going to be any good in the NFL. Uh, for a kid that thought he was going to be the best player in that class, uh, he has been one of the worst. So Yeah, take quite a Lovely. rebirth now. He's going to be like a day three pick. Oh, it? yeah. He's a third, fourth round draft pick. Right. So they will be the right coach to be able to rebirth what his skills were supposed to be as a prospect. I think he's a backup quarterback in the NFL. Probably. I, yeah. I, I don't think he's a starter. And uh, – is maybe if he goes to Sean Payton, maybe Payton could figure sure. it out. But I, I don't think he's going to Sean Payton. Would Sean Payton want to come back for a job, though, with a rookie quarterback? No. That's the other question. No, I don't think so. I think he's going to want to go somewhere that has a quarterback that actually could throw the ball and do other things with it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe, but, we'll, maybe we'll go to the Broncos if Hackett gets fired. <laughs> I don't want him on my Jets as a backup either. So the Jets need to keep him away from my team. I do not want to see Spencer Ratliff backing up Zach Wilson. Okay. Uh, you, have, you have much more faith in the uh, the people's quarterback, Chris Strebler. Nah, I, I guess I would rather Strebler than him. I don't want some egotistical ass on my team opening his big mouth, making it seem like he's something special when he hasn't done anything. Okay, so he is a cocky kid, and he needs to. Prove himself as a college player before we even talk about being an Sure, yeah, he, yeah, he's been like slightly, he's been slightly better, but not enough by the, the standards horrible. of what he was supposed to be. South Carolina was was ranked uh, was ranked going, a little bit but. going into he was the number one recruit of his recruitment class, number right, one, right? Okay, 
And this guy has been one of the worst quarterbacks in college football for the last two seasons. He's been horrible. He's lost his job once, and he might lose his job again this year. He's just horrible. I, I, I don't know what how, how, how to put it. He thought playing one more year in college football would help him. It's made it worse for yeah, him. Yeah, he's been benched in game. He, he been hasn't a, lost his job yet, but he's been He would have been a second-round draft pick last year because of the lack of quarterback play. Possibly. He would have been. And and being that he decided to play one more year for South Carolina, he's even hurt himself even more. And for money, he's going to fall to four or five. He's, I think he's a fourth-round draft pick. I think teams will give him a chance. But he's nowhere close to a second- and third-round draft pick. <laughs> you know what team I can see him drafting to is the Cowboys, just because he has a big I mouth. could see the Giants doing it. I think the Giants would do it. Dable is a good quarterback, knowledgeable coach. I think Dable would believe that he could fix him. But uh, I, I think he's a project. And I, yeah. I, I don't – I think that you need a good – quarterback guru, to, like a Dable, like a Peyton, like one of those guys that understand the quarterback position and what they need to do to figure out how to be a good, a highly profiled NFL quarterback. And I don't think him going to a, 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 like, uh, like a Robert Sala or somebody like that, that they can help him because they're working with Zach Wilson and it's a work in progress with a rookie offensive coordinator. I, I don't think he would fit. He needs to go somewhere like an Andy Reid. Andy Reid, but he's they have Mahomes. Right. He's not winning that job. Yeah, unless I don't, I, he's probably not going to win any job. It just feels like with the way he is, he just seems like the perfect Cowboys fourth round pick. Maybe the Texans. Maybe there. Okay. Maybe the Texans. Uh, maybe the Jaguars give up on Trevor Lawrence and trade him. I, I, I that would be so funny. By the way, I, I would love to see that, but I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, it's crazy. Uh, there's a lot to talk about tomorrow. Uh, who do we have on the show tomorrow? Uh, only one guest tomorrow, uh, 9.30. We got uh, Saratogian News and Troy Record reporter and photographer, as well as Bronx Pinstripes writer and editor, Mike Guizdala. Oh, that'll be fun. What a name, Guizdala. Guizdala. Yes. Guizdala. Is he worth dollars? We'll find out from tomorrow. $50, $100? Ask him tomorrow. I'm asking you. I don't, do you think I don't know him. Worth? I don't know him. Are you worth the money? Are you worth five cents, fifty cents? What do you? If if I were to buy you, how much would I have to buy you for? If if it was up to you, what? If I was buying you on the market, I'm not property. Okay, I, you are property. I'm not. Pro- I'm not. I'm going to put you on I'm the not, black market. No, I'm not property. I think you would be perfect. Yeah, on the I'm black sure market. you would. I do. I I would say ten bucks. Oh, what do you think? Ten dollars. Fifteen bucks? I mean, fifteen. I'm not being somebody's property for just fifteen dollars. Yeah, you'd be, uh, you know, somebody's pet. You know, God. well, we'll get you a nice collar. You know, what do you think? That would be a horrible idea. What a leash? I think you'd be oh perfect, man. It's, it's bad before. enough that people put kids on what? leashes as it is. I... <laughs> so, how about you with a leash? You know. You don't think you would be good with a leash? No. I'll let you stand on your two feet. Why would that matter? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you get, you know, three meals. You, you get to eat. You won't have to do anything. You know, you'd just be my pet. Yeah, I'd be somebody's property. Yes. Well, well you're, you're, you're your parents' property, right? Yeah, but they don't own me. They yeah, they own They, they own don't you. command everything of my life. Yeah, but, but they don't have to command you, but they, are, they do own you. Do they not? Yeah, but again, it's a difference between a free will that I am and being a possession of somebody else. But you are a possession of your mother and your father's. No, that's not how property versus 
being born into a family works. Well, but you are their property. Yes or no? I am their in their family, and that's ah, not property. But that's property. No, it's not. They own you. No. They own the right of Speedy. No, they don't. Yes, they do. No, they don't. They own the right every time you go on the toilet bowl and you take a dump. They do not charge me for that, but they, okay. They should. No, they shouldn't. Well, so they shouldn't charge you for anything. If they were actually, yeah, they're not, we're not doing the property thing because I'm not paying for, I'm not paying for. So I, I, if I got a leash, duties. if I bought a leash for you and I put it on your neck and I said I owned you because I paid you this amount of money, that would bother you? Yes. Why? I don't want to be property of anything. How about a woman? Would you be property what? of a woman? That makes no sense. It does. A, a woman owns you. I'm not being a property. You'll be their sex victim. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I don't want. Hmm. <laughs> oh, Speedy. You're one piece of work, man. I'm oh. talking about scenarios of... Uh... Of, of uh, random I'm payments of property I'm that tired, make no man. sense. I'm asking you a question. I want to know. If you're true. tired, and that's what you think of. I, I do. Yes, very much so. What doesn't that bothers you? Yes, it's a weird concept. Everything's a weird concept to you. People aren't property. Uh, yes, they are. You don't understand that. If you're a king or you're a queen, we don't live in a monarchy. Ah, well, now we do. No, we don't. How about Kenny? If I told you Kenny wants to be your pet. I'm not inheriting that. Why not? I don't want to command. I, I want people to enjoy what they can enjoy, not be forced on something. Well, they enjoy by... you, so that means... I don't want... Yeah, but I don't want them to force them on it. Well, uh, tomorrow we will get into the Rangers and Islanders. The Islanders are red hot. Uh, they've won... I think six out of the last seven games, they've been absolutely terminating teams. They've been coming back. The Rangers are up 3-1 to one going into the third period yesterday. And Valamov, one of the worst goaltenders. I, 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 I am an Islander fan. I do not like Valamov. Uh, somehow, he stood on his head. I think he had 43 saves and beat the New York Rangers in Madison Square Garden. The Rangers have looked, or uh, better words, the Rangers are not the same team they were last year. And I said that to Ranger fans. Kreider, I would have traded Kreider in the offseason. I'll say it again. I would have traded Chris Kreider in the offseason when he had 50 goals. He would have at least got made at least something out of nothing. Now Chris Kreider isn't worth anything. I think he has two goals in what? 13 games, he has been horrible. I don't know what's going on with the Rangers. Defensively, offensively, and who would have thought that the Islanders would be leading their division in goals scored? <laughs> Not me. For all the Islander fans who are attacking uh, Lula Morello that they didn't have enough offense this year. Boy, are they proving that wrong. So Anders Lee right now is playing at an MVP Caliber, uh, yeah, yeah it'd be he's nice playing if great. The Rangers didn't let him right in front of the net all the time. Nine goals. I mean, he's been unbelievable. He's on pace to at sixty goals. He's not scoring sixty this year, but this could be a year that he has forty goals and and has an MVP candidate season. I, he's been fantastic, Anders Lee. He really has, and he's been a good captain for the New York Islanders. So tomorrow we'll get into the Rangers Islanders, uh, the Rangers debacle. Uh, Fox needs to figure out. The type of player that he is this year. I don't know what's going on with him either. The only player that actually has looked the part is Panarin. That's it. 
I, I don't. Zabitic has had games here and there, but they're just not playing good hockey. And and by the way, uh, Shosturkin has not been good for for all the beeves. Uh, thoughts on on what he is and what he what he's going to be. I told the beef not to draft Shosturkin. He listened to me, and uh, Shosturkin's not having that uh, unbelievable season he had last year. That was a season uh, that was special. I do not believe you're going to see that this year. I, I think the three Islanders goals weren't his fault, though. No, uh, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, he he's not had a good season. I know it's early, and I could change. Um. I think there are quite a few other goaltenders that are going to be better than him this year. So that's my opinion. Uh, we will get into that tomorrow. Uh, fantastic. Thank you, John Jansen. Thank you, Drew Casey, for joining us. Westwood One, MLS Next Pro Cup Media Personality. You like that? Yes. You do like that. Mm-hmm. Wow, I was slurping. No, I, I like this part before that, not the, really the slurping. You don't like the slurping? It's all right. You don't like slurpees? Yes, but that doesn't have to do with your your tongue. Well, it might. Congratulations. <laughs> you congratulating me. You're congratulating me for slurping on live radio. Sure. All right. Anyways, uh, thank you to all the fans that listen to us. Thank you to all the people that give us the time and energy that you do for the three hours that we're on live on Wednesdays. We'll be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. Until then, good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.